From Facebook fiascos to egregious awards to ratings retention, it's the week the blind squirrel finally found a nut. And to dissect it with me, Hawaiian Brian, the podcasting lion, the king of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network, Mr. Co-host to you, in a world of nuts, he's the head cashew, the great Brian Last, everybody. Aloha, Jim. A pleasure to be here once again. An interesting week in wrestling and beyond, I guess we could say here. and. We're going to have fun talking about it. It's going to be a fun show. We're in a good mood. Fun, right? (laughs) A world of wonder and merriment, one step beyond. Well, let's start with our world of wonder and merriment. I'm still not shitting right. I'll have you know. I, I think we're up to about on the official Jim Cornette YouTube channel. We're up to somewhere around 40,000 people have been interested enough to click on Jim Cornette on his colonoscopy a couple weeks ago. Well, to be fair, they thought that was a review of WrestleMania from last year. Well, no, that was the review of us pulling another nitwit's head out of their ass and slapping them around (laughs) like we're going to later on. But nevertheless, um, I, I said, okay. The doctor said, well, okay, you need to come back in five years. Your 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 anal cavity appears to be in fairly good shape. You need you need fiber, and from my blood tests, I I do need to cut down on the sweets, and and do the low carb thing, and and I my cholesterol is still under two hundred. I want to keep it that way, et cetera, et cetera. So I explained that I was trying to get I was trying to avoid red meat, and get on the fiber. Need more fiber. Your favorite guy over there at CNBC, Fiber. Not not Fiber, Faber. I'm sorry, Farber. Faber. Anyway, so I need the fiber. So the other day I went to the store because they said, well, you got fiber bars. Because Stacy got me some fiber pills. But it says don't take these around when you take your medication, which is first thing in the morning. And you got to work up to where you're taking like fucking eight or ten of these little capsules a day at various points in time. I can't remember all that shit. And the nurse said, to, well, they've got fiber bars. Now, I've seen over the years the the boys that were into the training and the, the physical fitness and the weightlifting and things like that. They eat healthy. They're eating the, the power bars, they used to call them. Give me a power bar. And they look like they're these goddamn unflavored, unsugared, you know, wedges of dried mud. Oh, it sounds like you've and, had one. Well, uh, they would choke them down. And, and, and I've, I've seen, I've actually witnessed, I witnessed several feet away, Vince McMahon eating Ica pro bars. So, but I've, I've, it, it, it's always fallen under the category of the low fat Twinkie with me. If you can't have the fat, don't eat Twinkie. If, if you're not going to eat a goddamn candy bar, what are you doing? eating this fucking piece of roofing shingle. But I've never seen, I've never looked for or purchased either a power bar, a protein bar, or a fiber bar. So I go to the goddamn grocery store. 
And I'm thinking there's a selection somewhere of these fiber bars. Well, I go to the bar selection, not the alcohol bar, but the, the bars. Everything's a protein bar. I can't find a box of fiber bars anywhere. Well, fuck, I stand there for 15 minutes with my dick in my hand, looking like an idiot, staring at these protein bars. And I said, fuck it, I'll just, I'll look it up on the interweb somewhere when I get home. So as I'm in the checkout line, I see one of these bars staring me up close there with the chewing gum and the other things they've got, trying to force the last-minute purchase of some elderly senior citizen on a very fixed income to blow her fucking budget for some dreck. And I pick it up and I turn it over to see if it's got any fiber. And son of a bitch, the protein bars apparently are also the fiber bars. Did you know this? I haven't really looked into this at all, no. Well, you should have examined this closely and you could have told me and then we'd have both known, as Mama Cornette used to say. Did Mama Cornette really used to say that? She used to say that. Well, when you were trying to explain something to her and you said, well, you know, no, you tell me and we'll both know. I don't, I don't remember that from the song, but anyway. It wasn't in the song. Several of her quotes, like all of them, weren't in the song, but nevertheless. <laughs> so I look, and it's got all the protein that you'd just ever want to have just to fulfill your life, but it's also, it's got like 45% of the fiber you need for the entire day just in this one. And it says chocolate chip cookie dough. Now, all right, I'll, I'll try, I'll get three of these and try it out, right? So now, and by the way, come to find out, especially if you heat them up in a microwave for about 10 seconds to make them a little gooier and a little less fucking stiff, they're not bad. It, I've been eating those instead of dessert, such as a piece of celebratory cake or whatever the fuck. But anyway, so I've solved that mystery. So I, and, and then I got the low-carb tortillas to make wraps instead of having these buns and these big white bread sandwiches that's a no-no so i get the torta and the tortilla says that each one of those is 54 percent of my daily fiber how many grams well what they do the way that they calculate it let me educate you the way they calculate this shit is how many ever grams of carbs that it's got you deduct the however many grams of fiber that it's got to get your total net carbs, young man. And as long as you're just working on the net carbs instead of the gross carbs, and you can, you can play with this shit. It's a loophole. But the fiber's in there, too, because they, they've loaded up with the fibers so that it'll run the carbs through you. I, guess. I don't fucking know. Anyway. So the point is, for the last several days now, I've avoided red meat. I've avoided fried food. I have, yesterday alone, I ate somewhere around 245%, according to the food labels, of my daily fiber that I'm supposed to have as a grown adult human being. And I'm shit right in a week. When I was eating cheeseburgers on the Foreman Grill and fucking meatloaf and goddamn steaks and potatoes and cakes and ice cream and, and fried things, every morning I'd get up, boom, Russo on the regular, be done with my day. Now it's all over the page. It could be a golf ball at five o'clock in the afternoon, a softball at nine o'clock in the morning. 
a dribble-drabble somewhere after lunch. This fiber ain't all it's cracked up to be, apparently. You were in such a good mood just minutes ago. Maybe maybe I need Farber instead of fiber. That's why I've misread the prescription. But hey, how do I sound right now, Brian? Like shit. No, I'm not talking about my demeanor. Oh. I'm talking about my the connection here, the audio quality. So far, so good. No problems, no well, modulation, no issues, no drop-offs, no weird people from other countries coming into the line. That's happened. Nothing. No. No, that's 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 well that you know what? After we started the remodeling project where we tore that wall out, those foreign voices stopped. I don't know what happened overnight, but anyway, I look out the front window. To bring the, the listeners up to date, just we've talked many times about the Spectrum Internet that I don't get, that I pay for. And I believe it was a week or two ago, we brought the folks up to date on the speed test I did that one point in time where things seemed to be running painfully slow. And out of the one gig service that I'm paying for, which is even double the 500 mig service that I was paying for before when I asked to upgrade it, and I generally get about 250 of the MIGs. That almost sounds like some kind of slur, a MIG. But nevertheless... When you say it, it does. Well, I'm fixing to slur these MIGs. (laughs) Because we did the test the other week, and I had eight MIGs of the eight lonely MIGs. I didn't even, you had said that you didn't know that it was possible to register that low and still be able to say that you had MIGs. I told you to call 911 and go wait by the door. Which would be way more MIGs <laughs> than the daggum eight that I had. But anyway, so I look out the front window here of the castle the other day and I see a, not the neighbor on the right side of me, but the guy right on the right side of him. I can see right up at the top of the hill, there's a Spectrum truck, there's a big old ladder, there's a guy climbing this ladder up to the wire on the pole, it's right there on their property line, and I'm thinking, I wonder if they're finally coming to do something, something about this egregiously crummy service that they provide. And I'll and I kept an eye on there, the truck was there, and the truck was there, and the truck was there, and then finally the truck left. And so I go to the my computing-tating machine here to see if my speed is any different, and I'll have you know it was quite a bit different. It was zero, because I didn't have no internet at all. There wasn't dick all of shit connected to dick all of shit, apparently. And it just said, no, you got no internet. Connect to the internet, whatever the fuck it, it says. That's probably what and it I, says, yeah. Well, I'm not going to deal with that right now. So I went downstairs to do some real work with a pen and a piece of paper. Like like God and fucking Thomas people Jefferson. who make pencils yeah. of, uh, <laughs> intended it, right? Right. Yeah. And those paper manufacturers. Dunder Mifflin has to feed their employees. So You watching about, the office again? Uh, well, I'm, I'm observing. Okay. I'm thinking about a takeover. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> So about 30 minutes later, I come up and said, all right, I'm going to have to obviously ask Stacy, what do we do now if there's no internet from anybody anywhere here? 
and it I look and boom, it says we got internet. And I click on it and it snaps right up and I do the speed test and guess what I got? Out of the one gig that I'm paying for, and it's normally been about 250 of those MIGs, guess what I got now? 330 megabytes. You are incorrect, sir. I got almost 450 of them MIGs. They're crawling all over the place. They're swarming the castle now. As a matter of fact, what you hear me saying right now in your ear, Brian Last, the connection is so fast that you're actually hearing it about 12 to 15 seconds before I say it. So there you go. I don't know. The only problem is when the, the truck left, but the guy was is still up there on the pole with a telescope. Telescope? Yeah, he just keeps looking around from one corner to the other. He can see the whole street. Well, go get your slingshot or your bow and arrow and show him who you are. Well, it's not my property. I'm afraid so? I'll impinge on some kind of civic rule over here that you can, you can only adjust the attitude of people on your own property. Who owns the air rights? You know, that's a good... and Who owns the air he, rights over Castle Cornet? He's got to be... Well, he's got to be about 35 feet up. So I'm wondering if that's into county airspace or if we need to call uh, Strategic Air Command. We'll figure that out. That'd be my argument if I shot him out of that fucking thing. He wasn't on her property. He was in airspace. <laughs> you wouldn't even be. You wouldn't be able to hit him. Uh, but Julio you, could. But you Julio could. could. Side of a barn. But Julio could, and I could just stand behind him and smile. Who the fuck is Julio? Have you been hiding Julio on me? You'll find out. Oh, is that a threat? Okay, somebody's going to report you. I'll tell you what you can do to redeem yourself, Brian Last. You are a younger man than I am, and you have been attended schooling more recently than I did. So do you know off the tippy top of your head, how far is it in miles from the the border of the, the northern border of the United States, North Dakota, and, and the Canadian line, the border, how far is it to all the way to South Texas and the, the furthermost reach of South Texas? Off the top of my head? Yes, that's what I just said, off the tippy top of your head. How far would that I be? Would say, we, we, we know that, that the United States is 3,000 miles wide right. from... From the halls of Montezuma to, to the shores of Tripoli, or from Maine to Spain on a choo-choo train, or whatever, from one end to the other east to west, we're about 3,000 miles. And that distance would be about half of that. That's across. what I was thinking, but I didn't want to open yeah. my mouth and, you know, make myself look foolish. Because that, that last, that little, that little hemorrhoid on the bottom of Texas goes quite a bit further down south now. I've driven that many times out of Dallas many times. So it might even be a, a few more hundred miles than 1500, but certainly it's, it's, we're farther abreast than we are from, I don't know, navel to dick. I don't know how you'd measure that, but the, but the people in Texas are like, what the fuck's he on us for? Where, where are we going the, with this? Where, <laughs> where we're going with this. See, <laughs> see if you, 
If you just sit back and and take this ride with me, it would all make sense. But you, you it's take a long side. ride. It's a fifteen. Well, it's, <laughs> it's a fifteen hundred to seventeen hundred mile ride from. Because <laughs> what I've been doing here lately is I've been filling the people in on the screwy weather here in the Louisville, Kentucky, Greater Kentuckyana area. And and that's that's quite local. So I pair we let's back up and talk about the screwy weather. Let's look at the big picture screwy weather all over the United States. Not all you have said from your own chicken lips, Brian Last, that there has been, and I believe to this day it still holds true, no measurable snow in Central Park in New York in over a year now. Is that correct? That was true as of uh, whatever, a week ago, the last time I said it on the news, and it was an entire calendar year, we've had no snow. Yes. Or no measurable snow, as you put No it. measurable snow. You can the, the flurries that melt on the ground don't count. But at the same time, they have blizzard warnings in Los Angeles County for the mountains around Los Angeles. And the Hollywood sign... Did you see this was actually covered up when you could see it from the town with snow flurries in the air in Los Angeles the other day. But north to south, which is even only half that distance, the other day in North Dakota, right up on the top of the line there, the wind chill was 32 degrees below zero while the farthest most point of South Texas, it was 97 degrees air temperature. That's a 130 degree swing in 1,500 miles in the middle of the fucking globe. How about them apples? I'm not a litigator from, a litigator from mother nature i don't know what you're saying it like a shit shoving I'm it in my it. face or something I'm, I'm gonna rub your face in it i'm gonna rub your face in it puppy <laughs> i'm saying we have completely fucked up the entire planet human beings and the whole human race ought to be ashamed of ourselves that's what i'm saying to you as it's ridiculous weather here and what's going to happen to that poor guy up on that fucking pole outside here within in weather if it gets worse like that would you like me to give some shout outs to some people? Not really. Just, well, I'll do it anyway. And and Christopher from Waterford would take offense to you saying that because he sent both of us, he even said great Mr. Last. So he gave you great and right. Mr. Thank you. And he's had some bad family issues over the last couple of years and he's been diagnosed with cancer, but the shows make him smile and he's fighting through those things and his he said his current girlfriend knows when our shows come out she always hears him laugh even though it hurts to laugh so well maybe she's trying to get rid of you christopher maybe she's trying to go the opposite way instead of smothering you don't with the say pillow that. for the inheritance she's trying to make you laugh yourself to death but if what is wrong with you don't say these things well, that might be a nice way to go laughing laughing he to died death laughing no, but the, no, you know, I'm not going to go into how one's going to go, but no, that's, 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 don't it, say that to Christopher, your girlfriend probably loves you. Well, probably. Well, we don't know. There's we don't always know some on. lingering doubt. There could be some old boyfriend or something. We don't know. We, we don't know the whole situation, so we don't want to go out on a she limb. She likely but, loves you. Like, very likely. But thank you, Christopher, for, uh, 
from Waterford. And I don't know if Waterford is across the pond or Waterford, Connecticut or Waterbury Crystal or whatever it is, but we thank you for that email. You know, but it's sometimes... And good luck with everything. You know, people, you know, when whenever they... It's it, they meet their untimely end. Sometimes, if you it, there would be horrible. Why would more, you bring this up right well, now? Well, no, there Why would, would be worse. Things? Listen to me. There would be worse ways of doing that than laughing yourself to death, wouldn't there? Anybody, anybody that would want to that is gonna. We all have to go sooner or later. So anybody would want to go laughing or go in a happy or, or a joyous if, if, if mood or environment or whatever. And I'll tell you. If, it, it, no further than than another one of Hotchkiss Featherbottom's uncles. I've told you about Aunt Fanny and Uncle Felcher. Have I ever told you about Uncle Burford? I don't know. He he I, he were he did beautiful antique furniture refinishing, but unfortunately he had a tragic workplace accident. He was killed on the job. He fell into a giant vat of lacquer, and it was a horrible way to die, but a beautiful finish. So then, uh, Jay, did you, did you ever hear Macon, Matthew McConaughey? I once heard him interviewed, and he said that his dad always told his kids, or I don't remember if he said he had brothers or sisters, but he at least told Matthew McConaughey, I want to die having sex with your mother. And he literally died right after he climaxed having sex with his wife, Matthew McConaughey's mother. Could you see yourself wanting to go like that? Well, I don't, I don't honestly know, because fuck, for one thing, I've never met Matthew McConaughey's mother. Not with her. Not, no, what? Not with Matthew McConaughey's mother. Well, that was the point of the whole thing, wasn't it? I've never said I wanted to go at all. But Jay from Macon sent an email, and... and he it, actually, it, one of the paragraphs has brought up something we've talked about before, and I wanted to read it. He said, as a kid in Macon, Georgia, par- parenthetically, I'm over 52 now. I don't know what over 52, could he be 53, 54? Do I hear 55? Nevertheless, it took my sister and I almost six months to get a ringside seat. They only had four rows on each side, and the town ran weekly. And those were in the days of Georgia Championship Wrestling before they, when I actually went there in the 80s, and God damn, you should have said that our little Georgia Wrestling Superstars group went to the Macon Coliseum. That was the building in town they had to run, and it was like 10,000 seats, and we had 452 people, and it was, God, just, it was like working for the fucking building staff at that point. But anyway... In the old days, the uh, what was the name? Was it the Macon Auditorium or the old building that they ran weekly in the old days of Georgia wrestling? The Fred Ward Memorial Toilet. Oh, come on now. No, that was that was over in Columbus. But nevertheless, they had a smaller building. And but I've mentioned this before. All of the ringside seats were usually reserved in those in the territory days in the weekly towns the same people got the same seat at ringside every week week in and week out and that's why the especially the ringsiders were so social but I will continue with the email he says you had to line up after the show and buy a ticket that night for next week but most of the seats were already gone due to the regular customers we got lucky 
but later found out it was due to the wife had died, so the husband no longer went to the shows. And that, that was another thing that honestly used to happen in those days with the, the regular towns, and I'd seen things like Louisville and Evansville, and but any territory, cross-country, pick it. If you were there regularly, you'd see that sometimes the, the, the old couple that came every week, that was their night out, and then all of a sudden, you'd see just one of them for a few weeks maybe, and then you wouldn't see any either one of them anymore. And, you know, that was that was another example. And and honestly, the fans in those days were as nuts as the modern day fans are in their own way. A lot of the weekly towns would also they would put the tickets for next week on sale in a five minute intermission after the first match, right? It'd take five minutes. Tickets are on sale for next week at the box office. And then and they would only take five minutes, right? But so many people would want to make sure they got, if anybody had turned their ringsides back in that they had reserved, or I just want to get the front rows of the the uh, risers where I like or whatever, they uh, that a couple hundred people might be lined up in the lobby missing the second and third match so they could get tickets to the next week's show to fucking come and do the same thing. If there's five or six matches, they might miss two of them just to get the tickets. But it, it, who has that dedication that's a wrestling fan these days? When you were a kid going to shows in Louisville, how many older, over the age of 45, 50 couples were there going to the matches? Oh, <laughs> I didn't look at it for the eye to, okay, is there, is there a romantic match here, right? <laughs> but in all honesty, you know, until maybe the era of the fabulous ones and that period of time where the music videos, the early and mid-80s in, in Memphis, at least when I started going, 30, 35, 40% of the crowd would have been over 45 and it was always, you know, maybe a little male heavy, but there was just as many middle-aged single women that came to visit with each other at ringside, or there was a variety of females. And then you had multiple generations, as we've talked about. So the the old couple, you know, that's in their 50s or 60s that sits over there in one section of ringside might have a fucking toddler on their lap because the their kids couldn't come and she's watching the bed, whatever the fuck. Right. So, and then yes, during that MT first MTV few years of chaos with the fabs and everything. And some towns like, you know, Lexington, Kentucky would be 50% women under 35 or whatever, but it was, it was spread out. It was so even. And, and I've mentioned this before, there was a guy that came to the gardens in Louisville so many weeks in a row, so many years in a row. And he stood out because he wore the same overalls and he had a distinctive look anyway, but he sat on the aisleway ringside and he'd always get up and shake his finger at the heels. And one week he wasn't in his seat and Dean Hill was the announcer then and had to actually, I don't know whether Teeny brought it up or whether some, so many people had just asked or whatever, but he had to make an announcement at intermission. Uh, grandpa's okay. He's just under the weather this week, but he'll be back next week. Just for those of you who were worried about him. 
And this is when there's like two or 3,000 people in the building, but it was that noticeable. So it, it, so you're okay with the idea if you're running a town regularly of having subscription seats? Yes, because that's regulars in those regular seats. Those are your most valuable customers because those are the people that want to come every week and don't want a discount, just want to buy the fucking ticket for the seat that they like. Right. So that's what a lot of the when the weekly towns, you know, did that, you, that was like your subscription base for a minute. You knew what kind of house at minimum you were going to have. And then you could extrapolate based on, well, goddamn, even in an earthquake, we're not going to have zero walk up, that type of thing. And, you know, that that makes those people enjoy the batches more because they're sitting where they want to sit. They either want to cuss the heels on the heel side or they want to take a picture of the baby face on the baby face aisle or they like to sit where they can get out and get to parking easier after it's over with. I don't fucking know. Where do you fall on fans who have regular seats having personalities? Like ECW is probably the best example because you had a hat guy and you had a sign guy and various people there became almost like personalities unto themselves in the crowd. Yeah, we're not running fucking let's make a deal. Um, Some of the fans (laughs) had, had personalities just because they were personalities. They weren't trying to attract attention. They either had a different look that people might get a kick out of or acted in a different way but it was it's it was never encouraged in any of the territories for any of the ringside fans to intentionally draw attention to themselves you're you're in you're in the wrong fucking side of the movie theater to do that would a sign guy have ever worked in the territories in a regular weekly town or bi-weekly town well, it, not saying like it, smart shit out there, but, but just, no, that, that's, yeah. I was about to say, if it was somebody bringing, I mean, that's why some of the, the fans that have gotten over as personalities got over because they'd bring rubber chickens dead to wave at the fucking heel. It's supposed to be a chicken or they'd bring <laughs> the baby bottle for the cry baby heel or they'd whatever the fuck. It was a natural thing they wanted to do to fuck with that guy. And then, and then people started liking it. And if a guy was bringing, you know, witty signs to torment the heel that the heel could snatch and tear up or try to or get mad at and and get the people involved, as long as it didn't become a thing where this guy's getting his own fan club and then you tend to, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, you tend to get people sometimes that want to then get ahead of their skis, as they say, and overstep their boundaries and think they're a bigger part of the show, and that sometimes causes trouble. And then if you get a fan who thinks he is smart or is a, a more entertaining part of the process than he actually is at some point to people, well, that's getting old or whatever, then that's so, you know, you don't encourage the audience to go off the reservation and into business for themselves and make themselves a center of attention. But anyway. Well, bringing that up, should we talk about our Facebook fiasco of this past week? (sighs) Brian, 
I have mentioned, but just to bring everybody up to date again, on my rare internet usage, you know what I do. I go on PWInsider.com if I want to see the fucking wrestling news and reports, updates, what the fuck's going on with people. I get on the Twitter so I can retweet our clips and or things that I find interesting or whatever the case and occasionally make a few comments and, and trend for whatever reason. and. I I begrudgingly get on the emails that I'm always behind on because I'm always deluged with, but I've, there's things I've got to find and find out and respond to if possible. And have I missed anything? And and we get on the Skype here to uh, to talk to the fine folks, the people, the cult of Cornet, which we'll get to in a second. We're talking to all of you now. And otherwise than that, my internet usage is probably. Would you? Would you say a fair assessment is it's fairly well below the average human being in society today? Yes. And typically when something big has happened, I have to inform you. It's not like you bumped into it online. Yes, because if I'm not, as we know, I don't have the smartphone. I'm not going to have a smartphone. I got a computer I sit here at when I have to. So one of the things that I've heard much about and never actually fucking seen is Facebook. And I hear everybody talking about it's a jokes on the monologues on the talk shows and it's on various places. Ah, fucking Facebook. Everybody has some kind of backhanded swipe to take at Facebook and all the assholes on it. But I've never seen Facebook or interacted with Facebook. So and didn't see any reason to start. But at the same time. Apparently, a a group, and I've known this for some time, a group years ago started on Facebook as the fan, the cult of Cornette, as my fans. And in concept and in principle, I am fine with a group of my fans interacting with each other to the extent that they want to on the internet in some form or fashion. Uh, and uh, so I have nothing against the the concept of that. And that's what I believed it to be. And that's what it apparently was at the start of this thing. And then quite some time back, apparently, they started letting and, and stop because you know more about Facebook in general. But so stop me if I'm misrepresenting anything, but apparently they started letting everybody into this thing because you, it's not like that. I don't know if Kenny Olivier has a Facebook fan group, but if he did, and if I did know how to use Facebook, I still wouldn't go in it because I'm not a fan of fucking Kenny Olivier. So why would I go in it? But apparently from what I hear, there is a large segment of people that like to go into any kind of group anywhere and the chat things or whatever and just piss and moan and argue with people for the sake of it and disrupt their fucking day. So apparently that's what these people, whoever the fuck they may be in charge of this enterprise, started doing some time back was letting everybody, including people who are just coming out, oh, well, fuck Jim Cornette and blah, blah, blah. And well, Somebody says, well, why are you here? Well, fuck you. And then they get in a big fucking hey rube over the thing. Just to argue with supposedly my fans. And 
at that time, as I think we mentioned one time, Stacy said something to him about it on their group. Like, why are you letting these people in to knock me and us and our friends who are actually in this? And they blocked her. And I said, well, I just ignore him as fucking Facebook. What is Facebook? Because I've still never seen fucking Facebook. But then, just several days ago, as people hear this probably now, we started getting contacted from a number of people, and not even some fans, fans emailed me, people that have Stacy's number, a couple texted her. Somebody sent me a screenshot of what the fuck. Apparent and asked, Am I involved in this? And blah, blah, blah. Apparently, these people have amassed under the name the Cult of Cornet Facebook group or whatever the fuck. Almost 40,000 fucking people. And I assume even if they let a bunch of people in just to be fucking assholes and prickish, it's still a bunch of people that came there because they assumed that it was a Facebook group about the cult of Cornet. One would, one would imagine. And now, from what we have, what I was told, we're blissfully unaware of this until this point, they have set up a store on pro wrestling tees and they're intending to, or were intending to sell merchandise that the proceeds of which would be given to quote charities. As a matter of fact, hold on. I have the printout of the screenshot that a fan emailed me. The fan knows more about what's going on potentially in my name than I do. Uh, but yes, they said these shirts will not fund the admins in any way. Charities will receive these shirt funds. This sounds oh. almost like Olu Oliani wrote this. Joey Ryan, women's charity will women's charity the money for this. So basically, and then I got somebody asked, well, are you doing business with Cole Cabana? Because I guess he's involved in some fashion with pro wrestling tees. I believe he owns a piece of it. Well, I wonder what. Does he own piece of the rump or the fucking hindquarters or the whatever the case? Nevertheless. And apparently when people that I actually know and have met and or interacted with and or also might be my friends... When they have said something over the last couple of days to these fucking people, they blocked them. They blocked Charlie from Starkville. So they to, wouldn't be the first to do that, though. Well, but in all fairness, if you you know he's 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 part of the group. But to summarize, people that I don't know set up a cult of Cornette Facebook page allegedly and supposedly for groups of my fans to come and interact with each other, not only about me, but whatever the fuck else they want to interact with. But then they started letting in people that wanted to argue with my fans and only people that got blocked out of the thing are either members of my family, the only person that named Cornette that's ever been on it, or the only people that I actually know. And then, after using my name to round up 40,000 people, they decide to start selling merchandise through a company that I don't do business with, 
and tell people that they're going to give the money to charities they don't name and I may or may not approve of, even if they are going to do that. Once again, and all of a sudden, out of the blue this past week, we get to start and get texts or fucking emails or screenshots or whatever from fans and or friends asking if this is on the level, which is all news to me because I'm not on fucking Facebook. And so what... I was like, what the fuck? And I obviously forward the information that I'm given to Stephen P. New to see if this is some kind of misrepresentation of whatever and the fact that I'm not apprised of this or involved in it. And Stacy, who doesn't get on Facebook anymore because she says, like everybody, oh, there's a bunch of assholes on there. So... She puts a statement on her Facebook page for people who follow her, if this is the proper terminology. She goes on her deal to say, hey, this is not official and we don't know anything about the charity business and blah, 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 and the whole nine yards. Just for the people who follow her. Well, then Mike Johnson over at PW Insider, he picks it up and prints it before we really even had a chance to, you know, mobilize on this okay so people start hearing about it and these weasels running this thing instead of either trying to contact me or stacy who put out the statement or anybody to try to apologize explain wait a minute there's been a misunderstanding here no you got it all wrong they just start sending her messages cussing her out so these because we've upset their fucking enterprise, apparently, of whatever shady repute that they were going through. These weasels running a Jim Cornette fan page telling people what big fans of mine they are are cussing my wife, blocking my friends, and trying to run a charity scam on my fans. Does anybody wonder why I had to trademark all my shit? <sighs> because for whatever reason, supposed grown adults have to act like 10-year-olds on the internet. So, to alleviate this situation where my internet fans now have no suitable place to congregate, let my people go! We have established for my real fans who want to talk to each other, not cause fucking trouble, and aggravation and speak for me behind my back we have opened an official cult of cornet facebook page with honor and dignity and justice and no paywall and nobody's going to sell you anything but us if we do and i don't know how this one works either so brian can you tell the fine folks how they can find the right place to go yeah, I set this up the other day just because enough of this shit. And I just want to say there's a real problem out there with people who somehow think that whatever power they get running a Facebook group, it's, it's like they cling to it. It's the only power they have in life. And they finally get to be the little dictator they want to be. Well, that shit's over now. This is the official group. Come here. There are questions. You're going to have to answer them. We demand answers to our questions. We want answers. But you're going to have to show us you're a real person. You don't answer the questions, you don't get consideration. If you have a clearly fake account, 
if you haven't even put any effort in, if you're claiming to be Dick Van Dyke, you're not getting into the fucking group. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They, he'd ha- The real Dick Van Dyke would know his real name. He was just on some... Penis Van Lesbian. He was just on the mass Singer, 97 years old, out there bless singing. His, bless his little pee-picking heart. But we have rules. The Facebook group is the official Cult of Cornet Facebook group. Facebook.com slash groups slash official Jim Cornette. Me and Arcadian Vanguard are running it. I'd like to thank the admins of the last group for making me have to spend more time doing shit like this because none of you can act like adults. Fuck. But here are the official group rules. I'll just read them here on the air, Jim. Please do. We, we, have, we, we have established some rules of propriety, some guardrails, some rules of the road for a pleasant experience for people to interact without assholery and tomfoolishness. That's right. And these could be amended by us at any point, but here they are. One, don't be an asshole. Two, you are not Jim Cornette. Don't act like him. Three, treat other group members respectfully. Four, do not block any of the group's admins, which interferes with our ability to monitor the page. Doing so will result in an automatic banishment. If you post another member's personal... Wait a, wait a minute. Some of, these, some of these weasels actually get on there and try to block the people running the thing? Oh, yeah. That's like the weirdest thing. It's like they get in there, they want to be in this group, but they don't want any moderation. They want to be the Bitcoin of the fucking group. Well, you're gonna, you folks are going to be moderated around here, I'll tell you what, and, and just be happy about it. Some people have to pay a lot of money these days to be moderated every once in a while. If you post another member's personal and private Facebook photos in the group without permission, you'll be thrown right the fuck out. Well, I, and obviously, what the... Uh, well, that's a move. You- that's a move. It's like, hey, fuck you. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. Well, look at what you look like, asshole. I mean, that's the move, you know? Well, I can understand. And most people probably these days don't want other people to know what they look yeah. like. Although I have to say, in some cases, that is the right move, too. Look at what well, people, there, there people is need to be. see you to understand what I'm dealing with. That is the move sometimes, but you can't do it here. You can't do it here. That's the point. Not here. No shameless plugs without permission. This is a big one. Well, yeah, apparently, again, not only were these other shysters trying to sell the fan stuff, but that uh, we understand that if things are being overrun with, oh, see this and do this and see Rock City and fucking more ads than there are on the side of the San Diego freeway. Yeah, and another thing, we don't want flyers all over the page. How many groups are just filled with independent flyers with just faceless people in the middle of like, hey, there's two cold Scorpio, and like 50 people I've never seen before? None of that here. So no plugs, no posting of plugs or posting of stuff. And again, we're not, so we're not trying to tamp down conversation, but we're not the goddamn community bulletin board. If you want to come to the Cult of Cornet Facebook page and talk about the shows that we do or anything that I do or anything else that the other people want to talk about, that's more than fine. That's fine and dandy. But, you know, just, oh, gosh, there's a bunch of people there, so we're going to try to sell them something or pitch them something. Or there's a bunch of people in there that like something we don't like, so we're going to go fuck with them about it. Fuck you. No gimmick accounts are allowed unless the moderators actually know the real person behind the profile. Every now and then a celebrity will want to be of some note will want to be in the group, but they'll let us know that they don't necessarily have a public profile and that's understandable. 
But unless you're in that band or in those films, you don't need that. No one cares about what school you work at or whatever the fuck's going on over there. So none of that's happening in this group. And finally, don't wish death on people in posts or comments. Well, now, again, (laughs) I mean, I know that since I, as a public figure, in the process of giving my evaluations of some talent, often say they need to be boiled in oil and have their fat sold for soap, or they ought to be run through the wood chipper, or whatever the case. But why do you think little Johnny Dumbfuck, married to Mrs. Betty Dumbfuck, with a whole house full of little dumbfucks over there in Ottumwa, Iowa, that you need to be on the internet randomly threatening to or wishing upon someone to be dismembered in a grisly fashion, much like a Saw sequel. Mind your own business. Well, this goes back to rule two. You are not Jim Cornette. Don't act like him. Some people think they're Jim Cornette and then just miss the point of what you do and they just think it's about yelling like, hey, I think he should die. Fuck you. Ah!" Like They think that's what you are. Can you wait a minute? Now you sound like Mrs. Spencer over there, though. <laughs> I hope you die in the next 35 seconds. How much money can we get from John Clark if we threaten to put that in the doorstep of everyone in Philadelphia, you think? Oh, that well, never. Let's not talk about extortion while we're trying to be all honorable here. That's right. but it, but anyway, so that and and at some point, again, this is a new enterprise and and already what there's almost 3000 people just from last week with the a uh, few of the twitter announcements uh but we if you were serious about being in the old group then just come over here cuz what we're trying to do the original mission of the original group and you Brian last or some of your minions at Arcadian Vanguard or one of the feather bottoms or somebody at some point is going to explain to me how that I can get involved in some way with this new page somehow, sometime. In some way, you will have <laughs> a role on this page, and the potential is there for you to participate. I can't tell you what it is since I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about as far as how the thing works, and I haven't fucking... I don't... I, I've looked at a few screenshots of this shit, and I'm like, I don't even know how to read this. So. And you may be under an alias, like Gross Carbs. Well, no. If I, if anything, I'm going to be net carbs. If I could say one more thing, I get it that there's a lot of people that, for whatever reason in real life, have never gotten the reaction that they somehow get on Facebook or Twitter once they align themselves with something like the Jim Cornette shows. I've had it happen with 605. I understand all about this. The show is the star, not you. Not the person running a Facebook group that somehow thinks because they've anointed themselves to be the gatekeeper that they mean something. That's not the way it works. And some of you need to get off social media and, I don't know, get a job or, I hate to sound like fucking grandpa here, but get off social media and get your dick sucked or get off social media and Could just your fucking... grandfather used to recommend that you do that? No, I went from grandfather to the schoolyard here. But oh. get off the fucking computer and do something else. And this shouldn't be the core of your existence. And if you've had no social media followers, and all of a sudden because you're aligned with, or you align yourself with the Jim Cornette shows, you have a lot, don't think that's some kind of power, because it's not. But, and, when we're t- and we're t- still trying to be nice to our fans now that you've just 
yelled at everybody well, there. Well, no, I think we have oh, great people, but there's some people that need to be smacked around, I think. I really do. Just picked upside down and shaken for change. Just what, what the fuck's say. wrong with you? Just act like a fucking adult. Jesus. Well, I'll be the talking adult. to you or at you or typing on the thing that comes through the deal that goes to the Facebook. I don't know. what. As soon as we have time to for you to assign somebody to bring me up speed on that but at at the, at the min at the minimum uh yeah all the fans can hop in there and they can talk to the people that they got used to talking to before that all the good people started getting blocked and one last thing and this is important the last group i think was close to 40,000 we right now have let in approximately 3,000 people a lot of people are trying to get in a lot more people are going to it may not be right away just have some patience. And if it isn't right away, maybe look at what you filled out or see if you're a bot or a fucking troll or something. Maybe that's the reason. Are we getting the bots too? Well, you get some people like, you know, all of a sudden we have a big bunch of people from Indonesia listening. No, you know. Oh, well, fuck them. Yeah. Well, don't say that, but the fake well, ones. The fake ones. I'll have you know that I don't sell a single goddamn Cornets collectible to Indonesia, so it's got to be fake. Or elsewise, they'd be ordering. Because after all, what's available elsewise in Indonesia? But in the meantime, before I can talk to you on Facebook, I can talk to you on Cameo. Because the Cameos go on sale this coming Saturday, Saturday, March the 4th at noon Eastern time for the people who got closed off or shut out when we sold everything out uh, on, for Valentine's Day. One more chance until probably this summer we have some Things going to take up a lot of my time in the spring, but Saturday, March 4th, noon Eastern at cameo.com slash Jim Cornette or go to jimcornette.com and click on the cameo button and it'll take you right there. And we're limiting this to 80 because that's all we can shoot that week, but uh, get them while you can. And you know what? Maybe these Facebook fuckwits will get one so I can cuss them out properly since I don't really know who they are and don't know how to find them and nobody else does either because they're obscure. But I, they, can, they can pay me to cuss them out on video and they can glorify in that. That's right. I'm telling you, Brian, you know, they talk about the Sunday scaries, but this internet... If you're on this all the time, then it, they ought to rename it Daily Scaries. What is, 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 instead of all the minute little pebbles that we've got in life's road these days, the internet seems to be the giant stumbling block. You get up every morning, what moron on the internet is going to cause some aggravation today? Maybe they ought to call it Daily Scaries. What do you think? Uh, I think the company's name is Sunday Scaries. Well, there they are, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, see, I'm branching them out because it's, it's a great product. They're going to be branching pretty soon. Unlike some people's family tree that doesn't branch, the folks at Sunday Scaries, they're going to be branching out into all kinds of things because you can't live without them. They're the CBD gummies that were made to defeat the crap that life throws at us. The stressful, nervous, can't sleep feelings of dread and impending doom. You know, I've had, uh, I've just recently found out that uh, there's two illnesses that a symptom of is an a feeling of impending doom. What's that? One is a heart attack, and two is when you need a Sunday Scary CBD gummy. 
You have a feeling of impending doom? Take one of these. And you think it's hard to shut your brain off? These things will flip the switch, brother. I'm talking about you'll look like the goddamn the towers going up at the climactic scene of white heat. Boom, just out of commission for as long as you want to be. If you overthink and stress yourself out, well, Sunday scaries are deliciously cute, vitamin-boosted CB gummies that will chill you out. CBD. What did I say? CB. CB, CBD. (laughs) CM Wangs, L-I-B, MR Ducks. So anyway, you got the vitamin-boosted CBD gummies. That will chill you out fast. You will be colder than on a slab at the morgue, baby. <laughs> Don't say that. Why are you if saying a, I'm still laughing uh, about CB and you're already saying other things that I can't even fully stop and concentrate on. Don't say that. You will not be cold like you're at the morgue. You will enjoy life. You'll be chilled out. It's a metaphor. It's metaphorically speaking. It's a metaphor. Where? Is that something Mama Cornette used to say? That's uh, Mama Cornette used to say, like chewing gum stuck <laughs> down your boot. I'm a horrible sleeper, is what a lot of people will say. You might be a... a, a what's the matter with you? You might say I'm a horrible sleeper, but you might say I'm a professional at staring at the ceiling and worrying. If this describes you, you know what you, you need a new way to get better sleep and stop the worrying, help you decompress, clear your mind, clear your aching head, and fall asleep so that you can wake up the next day with no memory of these things. That's when you need a Sunday scary CBD gum to wipe your memory cleaner than the floor at the Waldorf Astoria. And we all have the right to live scare-free. So if you take one of the, boy, I'm telling you, you dive out the window of a moving train, it wouldn't scare you. That's what you need to do, because uh, life is scary, Brian. It's a scary thing, a frightening thing. These hey, spots are scary. These spots are scary. You wake up the first thing, you open your eyes, it's like a heaviness hanging over you. You go, high heaviness. Oh, it's going to be a rotten day today. But with Sunday, <laughs> scary CBD gummies, every day will be sunshine, lollipops, rainbows, and waterfalls, folks. And right now, If you go to Sunday, as in the day, that's how it's spelled. If you can't spell that, you got bigger problems than not being able to fall asleep. Sunday Scaries, S-C-A-R-I-E-S dot com, and use the promo code J-C-E for your 25% discount. SundayScaries.com, use the promo code J-C-E, 25% off these beautiful little pieces of bliss that will make you Happier than a pig and poop and sleep and contemplate things in the state of suspended animation that the folks at the uh, Jupiter 2 on Lost in Space could only you? dream of. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sunday scaries. All right, Mr. I guess whatever. Why don't we go to the The big news in the newsletter industry of the week, Uncle Dave's annual Observer Awards have been given out, and uh, they may not be as long-awaited as the PWI Awards these days, but, uh, and uh, you know, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine Awards, at, at one point at least, I don't know what's going on over there these days, it's not my week to watch them, but they were shoots at one point. 
as to the, the who won and wh- who placed in what order. Bill After told me this. They they didn't want to just make shit up and you know not uh, serve the fans that had actually voted. But what they did do was they they magnified the amounts of votes that everybody got, so it looked like their contest was more popular than it was. But still, the placements were legitimate. That's what he said. And with Dave, so and you've been you know you've been reading these for a long time, and you probably got the you know the issues or at least know what went on before you. You know what? Actually, I'm looking at the date of this issue of The Observer. I've been reading The Observer now for 30 years. I've read all the back issues before then, but actually getting it in the mail when I was 13 years old, it's been 30 years right now. Well, then you will testify. Is it my imagination? Am I overstating this? Still, it's, it's newsletter awards voted by the people who read that newsletter. So there's going to be some skew of the audience, you know, to the, like the Cult of Cornette Facebook page. You would think they're fans of mine. Well, you would think that the Wrestling Observer readership is fans of a lot of the same things Dave would be. But in the first, what, 20 years, maybe, I get in the territory days, there were so many top guys spread out in different places. Every area had some legitimate main event talent. And then, you know, even in the 90s, there was still a lot of top guys out there and different things. But after WCW folded, TNA became a whipping boy for all the reasons we've talked about. ECW is gone. Then it was all, there was always a heavy Japanese influence because of Dave's readership. But it seemed like over, what, the last 15, 10 or 15 years, there's been a void of anything else, so it became the anti-WWE backlash. A lot of people, we just don't want to vote for the anything WWE. And it was more indie-centered, because that's the interest that Dave started taking, and then suddenly a fucking, you know, flea market in Reseda is the center of the wrestling universe. And the people have followed that. And now, you know, a lot of their indie darlings are on big budget television, and Dave tells them that they're great, so they follow that. But I guess the point I was trying to make was, for the first 20 years or so, you would look at the winners of the best anything and say, okay, I would, you know, anybody. I'm talking about the the vast majority of his readership, anybody really that followed the business and kind of had a handle on what most people were doing, say, well, I would put number three, number one, or number one, number four, whatever. I, you know, there nothing made your head explode. And then over the, especially the last 10 years, is it his change of readership because most people that were fans of wrestling for all those years don't give a shit anymore? Is it a change in some of his readership's minds because he's made the change of his mind and gone full-fledged off the deep end for a lot of this, you know, niche stuff and Japanese girls and indie-rific performances, whatever? 
but you know, now it's all over the fucking page. And I just, what, what do you think is modified his readership's minds more his viewpoints, or is it just, these are the last people left that are this dedicated to being interested in the wrestling business at this sorry state. Well, I think all of that could be true, but more. I do think Dave pushes his readership, or at least there's a good portion of it that will just follow along to a certain viewpoint. When you give Kenny Omega, whatever it is, six and a half stars, seven stars, you're making a statement. I mean, forget about Omega, whoever it is. You give anyone that match, you're making a statement. You're putting that statement before your readership. How are they supposed to take that? You're the expert. You're the observer. And I think we've seen a lot of this play out, and we've talked about it with the voting body and the voting process and the results for the Hall of Fame that he does. With this, I do think it's important to note, this is certainly a good example of what this portion of his readership thinks. But if you look at how many people voted or try to figure it out, this is only a portion of it. There's a lot of people like me. I've been reading the observer for 30 years. I think I've voted in the year end poll, maybe five times, maybe in 30 years. So I think there's also a lot of people that don't participate. And I think there's a lot of, what do you want to call them? Institutional readers, people who started getting the observer in the late eighties, early nineties, and never gave it up. They may not be getting the print one anymore, but you still got to keep up with it. I remember thinking years ago when I lost interest in a lot of wrestling, but I still got the observer. I still had the process and the ritual of reading the observer. I'm going to keep getting this until Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair die. (laughs) If Dave outlives them, that'll be the end of, okay, I've kind of seen the entire story play out. I've been following this story behind the scenes for years. It's over. It's all about who's voting. I mean, that's the big thing, too. Like I said, the wrestler of the year got 498 first place votes. So that's how many people, a little less than 500 people, thought he was wrestler of the year. Well, there you have it. But speaking of which, because I do not know, you are going to be revealing. I I know one of them because it was a bone of controversy on Twitter. But otherwise, we thought it might be entertaining if we just briefly run through the various honorees and award recipients and see what the fuck it is these people are actually thinking. So opposition research, I guess, is what it is. Well, here it is, the 2022, the 43rd annual Wrestling Observer Newsletter Readership Awards. Overture, curtain lights, this is it, the night of nights. No more rehearsing and nursing of parts. We know every part by heart. Overture, curtain lights, this is it, we'll hit the heights. And oh, what heights we'll hit. On with the show, this is it. Please welcome Billy Crystal. No, but here we are with the Observer Awards. These are the Category A Awards. They're determined by points on a 5-3-2 to three to two basis. Okay, you can't just take fucking votes, right? It's got to be this fucking... Electoral no college. Wonder he, no wonder he, <laughs> yeah. Electra, so Montana doesn't get left out. No wonder he and Tony Khan get along so well. I wonder if Dave has his columns out sideways instead of up and down this time. This year, the winner 
of the Luthez Ric Flair Award, in parentheses, Wrestler of the Year, with 498 first place votes and a total of 3,101 votes. Is that the total votes or the total points? Well, see, there's there's the, the, there's points and there's votes and there's more points for some votes. So I'm not I I'm not a goddamn math major here. Well, the Luthes of the year, John Moxley. Okay, he came in first. Let me give you the top ten, and then you can give your thoughts on this, Jim. Uh, At one, John Moxley. At two, Roman Reigns. At three, Will Osprey. Uh, At four. Kajuska Okada at five, Suri at wait, six. Wait, who, where? I who believe she's he? one of the stars of stardom. It's a girl. They let the girls into the Luthez and Ric Flair award. At six, whoever voted for this. At six, Chris Jericho. At seven, MJF. At eight, CM Punk. Number nine, Julia. And 10. Julia? And so two girls on the Luthez and Ric Flair. No, she, she's fine. Leave her alone. And number 10, Brian Danielson. Oh, good Lord. Do you think... And Dave wrote a little write-up here if you want to hear any of it. Well, hold on. I'm just going to comment on this placement again. I have had conversations with both Luthez and Ric Flair. Many more with Flair than with Thez, but with both of them, and neither one of them would want to be compared to John fucking Moxley. That's number one. Number two, for fuck's sake, not only is John Moxley one of a rotating, depending on whether they're injured or suspended, cast of top guys in the company instead of the guy, he's in the sea of things. Roman Reigns is the biggest star in the wrestling business. And so this is somewhat ridiculous on the surface of it. But besides that, if they were really dedicated fans, you want to reward a guy who not only doesn't try to keep the younger wrestlers in AEW away from their worst instincts, he glorifies garbage wrestling and rolling around in barbed wire and knives and blood and blades with fucking bank-addicted drug robbers and teaches them exactly to do the shit that they shouldn't be fucking doing. He's an embarrassment in every form of professionalism, from his fuck yous on the air to his fingers on the air to his lack of goddamn any respectable professional appearance to his constant fucking self-mutilation, as the kids call it. I just think his wrestling sucks. I hate his his, matches. To his (laughs) shitty garbage wrestling. (laughs) And so that, so there, and what is Dave's comment on this turn of events? As expected, this turned <laughs> into a two person race with Moxley, Jonathan Good, 37, and former Shield partner Reigns. Liatti, Joseph, and Oi, also 37. The way I see the argument, it comes down to Reigns as the biggest star of the year in pro wrestling, as WWE champion for the entire year and headliner on the biggest shows during a year that got very strong for the company after April. He had good to great matches on top, which is a big part of the award. But the argument is most valuable. Reigns worked in a very limited schedule, excuse me, worked a very limited schedule, and the company did roughly as well with him 
and not with him. The SmackDown ratings rise was as much tied to Sami Zayn and Jey Uso, who carried it to strong results when Reigns wasn't around, as the weekly angle. Moxley was more valuable because he was because he was twice after injuries to Punk called to lead the company. Had he not lead, been a- wait, wait, wait a minute. Lead the company. We got to put the belt on somebody. So Moxley, come here. You got the reputation. Where was he? General fucking John Moxley charging up San Juan Hill, leading these guys into a battle that they ever won. Had he not been around, the declines would have been greater than they were. Coming off, how do we? How do we? How do we quantify that? It's an assumption that you just have to accept. Coming off rehab at the start of the year, he and Chris Jericho really carried the company during different periods when so many top names were out with injuries, and later after All Out, when Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks were suspended. You take both out of the picture in 2022, and it's AEW that would be hurt far worse. What do you think about that argument that WWE, which, let's face it, as a business is infinitely times bigger right now than AEW in terms of every tangible result you would look at. They're making so much more money. The world champion there doesn't mean as much as the guy on top of the company that can't draw full houses for their TV shows, have to block off half the arena. The ratings have been a mess. And just saying that they hung around after All Out that should mean something. Not that the work was especially good after All Out, but they were there. What do you think of this? Well, you, you got it all wrong. You see, you got it all wrong because that's the deal. You know, Moxley was very important to make sure he was there so that he could do all the things that he's done that have not stood out. <laughs> I no, swear, if Moxley, here, wasn't, so, the, if Moxley wasn't so buddy-buddy with the Observer site, I think some people over there would be a lot more honest about his work. Here's the thing. Dave is very correct in what he said that Sami Zayn and Jey Uso's interaction carried a lot of those ratings. Who were they talking about? What were they talking about? Let me clarify this. If they hadn't established Roman Reigns as the dominant champion, as the undefeated fucking guy, as the big dog, the head of the table, the tribal chief, and established this group around him, then what else would Sami Zayn and Jay Uso have been talking about and interacting with that would have allowed them to draw those ratings? Catering? On the there bus. you go. Another, another breakdown of the catering fucking issue. No, that's... Uh, See, again, what? it's a voting body voting for it, but Dave justifies that vote there, and to me, if you're an observer of the industry, how do you say Moxley's more valuable than Roman Reigns? Because AEW would go out of business if he wasn't there? No, we've established that they're going to do the same amount of business that they do with, with or without anybody except Punk. And they basically had a couple hundred thousand people that, that just said, fuck you. They came with him and they left with him. And otherwise, it's the same fucking thing because it's it's a goddamn... Circus sideshow. It's not 
personality driven at this point because everybody's muddily booked and confusing. He stayed around and was awful in that MJF feud. They had to kill off Steven Regal three times on TV because of Moxley, <laughs> wrestler of the year. William Regal came back more often than fucking Jason Voorhees out of the out of the lake. Jim, are you interested in most outstanding wrestler? Well, I probably not, but let yeah, let's run through some of these others and see where we go from here. Most outstanding, first place, nine hundred and fifty-one votes. Will Osprey, he is outstanding. Second and well, place, and, and again, you know, for the limited number of people that have ever fucking seen him. And for the most part, wouldn't know what the fuck. Will Ostrich. How dare you speak that way about a man who destroyed his competition? He got 951 first place votes. Danielson was in second place with 92. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. So. But, but the total votes tell the story. 4,807 votes or points, I'm not sure, versus Danielson with 1,286. So this guy is four times better than Brian Danielson. His wins that's against good. replacement is 4.0, yes. That's that's good to know. All right, next we have, I'm going to go past the MMA awards because we don't really want to waste time with that. Tag team. Well, now, come on, show these people some respect. We just don't know anything about them or who the fuck they are mostly. Has MMA or UFC done a good job of holding you? Because they haven't done a good job of holding me. I don't care anymore. It's, it, yeah, I, well, I'm too busy trying to dissect what's wrong with our business to worry about theirs. Tag Team of the Year, with 782 first-place votes, FTR. That, obviously, you can't argue with. I'm honestly surprised that it's a result that we can't argue with. I'll go through the rest of the top ten. At two, Mark and Jay Briscoe. Can't argue with that. At three, Young Bucks. I can certainly argue with that, unless that four is no one else, every, every other tag team disbanded, but go ahead. Well, actually, just to jump on that for a second, I think you can argue it, but it's not even based on like, your traditional argument about the Young Bucks. In 2022, how much tag team wrestling did they do? Well, you got a point there, but if you comb your hair right, nobody will notice. At four, the Usos. At five, the Acclaimed. At six, and the rest of these don't have any first place votes, Aussie Open. At seven, the Lucha Brothers. At eight, Tam Nakano and Natsupoi. Who? What? I don't know him, and I apologize for clearly killing that name. At nine, Hazumi and Kaguma. What? And number 10, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Oh, boy. Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> I just said... Number four is every other tag team in the world is disbanded. That's almost pretty close. Do you remember when that list would have been Road Warriors, Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, 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 Tully Blanchard, Narn Anderson, Demolition, Heart Foundation, Rockers, fuck it, on and on That's and the thing. on. And I love FTR, and FTR were clearly the best tag team and had a remarkable year that people will talk about forever. The Usos were four, the Acclaimed were five. After that, it really drops off. There were other tag teams featured, but for all those years that the Young Bucks won this award, and people pointed out, like, it means something. Like, look, they won Tag Team of the Year this many times. Who were they up against? <laughs> Who were they up against? I am Jewish co-host of the year on the Cornette Show. Who's my competition? <laughs> Wait a minute. I, 
I'm sure you know my new co-host, Mr. Goldbaum. It's not the same winning it now in respect to FTR. And they deserve it. They probably would have won it with this year at any point. But it's not the same winning it now as it would have been when, in my eyes, someone will say, oh, look at the Japanese tag teams. In my eyes, tag team wrestling today is nowhere near what it used to be. Well, I mean, that we just demonstrated that. You can look and see that they aren't there. Anyway. Best on interviews. My, my old Memorial Award. That's right, the Jim Cornette Memorial Award. Actually, no, he, uh, the winner joins Piper, Cornette, Flair, Steve Austin, The Rock, Foley, Jericho, Punk, Heyman, and Conor McGregor as two-time winner. I didn't realize Conor McGregor was on this list. All right. Best on interviews with 486 first-place votes, MJF. Can't argue that. Can't argue that. At number two, can argue this, John Boxley. Oh, for Christ's sake. Woo, all righty. So there's where we're at there with, the, with them. Okay, who's number three? At number three, CM Punk. Uh, at, at number four, what? Sami Zayn. Again, that Punk and Zayn are on this list, and anybody would think that they should be placed below an illiterate plumber uh, except in number of fucks uttered on the air. I, I, I'm, no, Mox is a horrible promo. That's ridiculous. I'm bewildered. He will one time, the squirrel found that nut. Uh, that Remember that one time right after all the shit when he gave the rah, rah, let's rally around the company speech. That was great. And everything else is I want to drink the bones and eat the blood. At number five, Eddie Kingston. And I love Eddie Kingston's promos. I can't remember if he even got any promo time in 2022. I, I was about to say, I don't remember him talking last year, except on the internet, because he was mad at people. At six, Paul Heyman. At seven, Kevin oh, Owens. Oh, wait, hold on. Now, wait, don't just, don't just gloss right over that. Paul Heyman, number, what, six? Number six. Even, much less being behind John Moxley and maybe even being behind anybody else on that list. When you think about it, it's like, okay. Uh, yeah, we got William Shakespeare in the high school essay competition. He's going to come in number nine. <sighs> That's right. But let me go back to this list here at number seven, Kevin Owens, eight, Jay white, nine, Roman reigns and 10, Will Ospreay. He speaks too? Oh, that's right. He has a lilting little squeak, does little Will. Promotion of the year. Wait a minute. Hold on. Do I have a drum roll? That might that's be the right one. The one. That, that's the right one. Go ahead. Give it to us. With 480 first place votes, all elite wrestling. At two, stardom. What? At three, world wrestling entertainment. At four, New Japan Pro Wrestling. At five, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Six, Impact. Seven, Dragon Gate. Eight, Pro Wrestling Noah. Nine, Game Changer Wrestling. And number 10, DDT. Well, boy, that illustrates how few wrestling promotions there are in the world these days again. But uh, for those of you who don't know, the number 10, like most of us, uh, the number two pro stardom, that's the Japanese girls, right? That is correct. So we're 
we're dealing with a specialized audience here. It's the all Japan women's wrestling of today. That ranks over the company currently on sale for $9 billion, but nevertheless. Now here, I'm looking at this. I hadn't looked at this yet. Best weekly TV show. At one, AEW Dynamite with 753 <laughs> first place votes. At two. Well, again, once again, we're talking about a fucking race for the nicest guy in prison here, but go ahead. At two, and Dave got the C and the K backwards here, WWE SmackDown. This is the one where I'm like, what the fuck's happening? At three, AEW Rampage. What? There's people's home movies that get seen by a wider audience. How? Anyone who voted for that for Best Weekly TV Show, you're an idiot. You're a complete idiot. (laughs) How does anyone vote Rampage for Best? Best! The Best Weekly TV Show. There's someone out there saying, well, that AEW Rampage gets a bad rap. It's actually really good. No, it's not. And you can't even call them AEW fans because they're voting over the actual show that they do on Wednesday night that is sometimes palatable. At number four, New Japan Strong. At number five, Impact Wrestling. Six, We Are Stardom. (laughs) Seven, WWE (laughs) Raw. Eight, NXT. Nine, Being the Elite. Oh, for what? That's not even a television show. And number 10, New Japan on Axis TV. Again, who votes for being the elite as being the best television show of the year? That's the fan base. There's a fan base that doesn't get it. And they think everyone else is wrong. They don't realize they are. I can't even, again, you know, it would be great if there were actually weekly television shows that you could like. So shouldn't it be, shouldn't they start doing instead of the best whatever, should it be the least bad whatever? So it would be more accurate in description. It would be more accurate a lot of these years. That is true. Match of the year. Now you have not seen all these matches, obviously, Jim. Match of the year in first place with 256 first place votes. Eight votes over second place. Okada versus Osprey. Oh, Jesus Christ. So in the year of FTR and the Briscoes, Okada and Ostrich is the best match of the year. And again, they got eight more first place votes than number two, which is FTR Briscoes, December 10th in Arlington, followed by Okada versus Osprey, <laughs> January 5th in Tokyo. Followed God, by- this, this is like comparing... Ballet dancers and crocodile hunters. At number four? Nothing that (laughs) Okada and Ostrich do in any way compared to or resembled or was in the same genre of what FTR and the Briscoes were doing. Go ahead. At number four, FTR versus the Briscoes, April 1st, Garland, Texas. Number five, Gunther versus Sheamus, Cardiff. That's a surprise. I, I don't think that was Gunther's best match by two or three. Go ahead. No. Number six, Julia versus Suri. Oh, of course. Number seven, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins, June 5th, Chicago. I guess that was the one where he showed up with the torn peck. The, the torn peck. At number eight, Adam Page versus Brian Danielson, January 5th in Newark. Oh my God, Dude, I, I'm not even sure I remember that. Or if, if so, I blocked it out of my memory. At number nine, El Desperado versus Yoon Kasai, or June Kasai, excuse me. 
Desperado, you better junior Kasai. And number 10 is Will Ospreay versus Michael Oku in London. Michael Oku? O-K-U. Oku. Oh, God. All right. So a lot of lot of deep cuts there on that one. A lot of deep cuts. Now we have the Category B awards. These are only determined by first place votes. Oh, well, good. So these are less likely to be uh, fucked with and hornswoggled and ballot stuffed and things of that nature. The United States and Canada MVP with 638 votes, John Moxley. <laughs> There's, see, here's where it's crazy. What's wrong with the readership and why hasn't the Observer been honest about any of the bad Obser- uh, Jericho segments in years? Jericho's number three. Moxley reigns Jericho MJF. How in what world is Chris Jericho valuable like that in 2022, let alone 2023? That's ridiculous. That's when you and people even, and, and more valuable than MVP on, or than MVP MJF. than MJF on the same roster. The more more of an MVP than MJF. You have people voting for their favorites as opposed to people who should be the winners. That's the problem. Uh, Japanese MVP, just so you know, Okada, 495 first place votes with Osprey as number two. The Mexico MVP, El Hijo del Vikingo, with 678 first place votes. Mystico, number two. Just missed it by that much. The Europe MVP, Will Osprey, with 799 first place votes. So has Osprey moved into Dave's house? Is he going to adopt him? He is good. He is really good. <sighs> the Hodge Award. His, his head looks like an artichoke. The Hodge Award for non-heavyweight MVP, El Hijo del Vikingo, with 215 first place votes, Darby Allen. Who had so much in, in common with Danny Hodge. And uh, 215 first place votes, Darby Allen at number two. Who has so much in common with Danny Hodge. The women's wrestling MVP at one is Suri. At two is... Wait a minute, not not even Becky Lynch. Not even Bianca Belair. Charlotte Flair. Anybody we've ever heard of in our fucking life. Anybody that can be picked out of a police lineup. Anybody can be identified by their DNA records or the fillings in their teeth. And I apologize in advance if I get any of these names pronounced wrong, but I'm not a big follower of Japanese wrestling currently, or women's Japanese wrestling especially. But one, Suri. Two, Bianca Belair. Three, Jamie Hayter. Four, Julia. Five, Kyrie. Six, Becky Lynch. Seven, Miyu Yamashita. Oh, boy. Eight, Rhea Ripley. And nine, I don't know if I'm supposed to say AZM7. Well, and, and her manager, BR549. AZM7. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm getting that wrong. I have no idea who that is. Let's now go to best box office draw. Roman Reigns is the pro wrestling well, best box office draw. Congratulations, Roman. You think? Feud of the year. With 362 first place votes, FTR versus the Briscoes. Can't complain there. So, again, they made an impression on everybody, even people who don't normally watch normal fucking pro wrestling. At two, Punk versus MJF. At three, yeah. Cody versus Seth Rollins. At four, Tam Nakano versus Natsupoi. Again, okay. I apologize if I'm getting that wrong. 
Well, you just apologized to Nat Super. At five for Feud of and, the Year. And remember, didn't he used to be the editor of Ring Magazine, or was that Nat Lubet? At five, Feud of the Year, ladies and gentlemen, the Elite versus Death Triangle. <laughs> At six, the Bloodline versus Kevin Owens. Oh, At seven, Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. At eight, Okada versus Osprey. At nine, the JAS versus the Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, good Lord. And at 10, Julia versus Suzu Suzuki. So somewhere in the middle of there was the bloodline with the uh, Kevin Owens and the thing that's led to Sami Zayn and the thing that's led to this fucking WrestleMania season being a boomtown for the WWE, but they were in between Julia and... Naputo, I'm sorry, Farber, Dave. If you have 18 people voting for the Jericho Appreciation Society versus Blackpool Combat Club as feud of the year, you should take away their subscription. <laughs> Just eat the cost. They don't deserve to get the newsletter anymore because they're idiots. Who the hell saw that feud and thought it was feud of the year? Who? How? Why? Makes no sense. There is an idiot fan base, even that reads the Observer. And I think Dave's had to acknowledge it a little more and more, and we'll get to that in a moment. Most improved. With 164 first place votes, the acclaimed. We haven't been keeping an eye on our boy Braun Breaker lately, like I guess we should have. But I find it hard to believe. They're the most, their push has been most improved. They went from zero to hero pretty quick, but I don't know if I could say that they are most improved. Go ahead. At two, Mina Shirakawa. What the fuck? At three, Jamie Hayter. At four. Wait a minute. So, well, yeah, she's improved. It took her two suplexes to give the bunny brain damage last week. At four, Wheeler Yuta. (sighs) At five, Dominic Mysterio. At six, Ricky Starks. At seven, Powerhouse Hobbs. How can you tell? Hold on. At eight, Chris Jericho. What? At nine. (laughs) Man, I think some people went on that cruise and thought he was their best friend, and now they're voting for him for all these fucking things. This is ridiculous. Number nine, Julia. Number 10, Mirai. And, uh... Mirai? M-I-R-A-I. Mirai? Mirai? So basically, it, 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 Starks and Dominic, I can agree with. Hobbs, I see no evidence of because we have seen, don't see him. And most of the rest of these people not only will never be actual stars in wrestling, but again, most of them could not win a popularity contest of the general public if the people had voted were their immediate families. Most charismatic. With 272 first place votes, MJF. Well, I would think charisma, whether positive or negative, is is charisma, and you can't argue with that, in all fairness. At two, Sami Zayn. At three, Roman Reigns. Four, CM Punk. Five, Julia. Oh, Jesus. I'll leave her alone. At six, John Moxley. At seven, the acclaimed, most charismatic, number eight, Orange Cassidy. (laughs) At nine, Suzu Suzuki. And number 10 is Ricky Starks. With honorable mention to Cody Rhodes, Jericho, and Hook. 
Wow. Honorable mention to the main event guy at WrestleMania, but this fucking unheard of five foot tall Japanese girl has tons more charisma than you do. She's got more charisma than half the people on this list. Which one? There were three of them unheard of on that list, at least. Well, here's something you have heard of for the Brian Danielson Award. Best technical wrestler. The winner with 464 first place votes, Brian Danielson. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's that is. <coughs> I, I don't have a chef's kiss on here, but it's been that's perfect. Brian Danielson should win the Brian Danielson Award. Well, the Bruiser Brody Memorial Award for best brawler. Goes to John Moxley with oh, 576 God. first place votes. Is he a good brawler? He brawls, but is he a good brawler? No, because his shit looks as phony as a football bat. You can tell when he's cutting himself. He's doing it out in front of the fucking public eye. His shit is weak, and he has no perceptible physique or size to put behind any of that. And what do you think, Brian Last, as a longtime wrestling observer... If Bruiser Brody got booked against John Moxley and Moxley tried to pop up after the pile driver and hit one of those clotheslines, what do you think Bruiser Brody would do to John Moxley? Oh, he would kick him in the head and then no show the next night. Exactly. And Moxley would still be on the ground. He wouldn't have got up yet anyway. Well, at number two for Best Brawler, the Bruiser Brody Memorial Award, Tomohiro Ishii. Oh, for fuck's sake. The potato? The Japanese potato with arms and legs. At number three, Minoru Suzuki. Oh, Christ. He's a Fabergé egg. They can't fucking touch him. He'll fall apart. <laughs> At number four, Eddie Kingston. Well, fuck me running. <sighs> no, thank you. At number five, Gunther. At number six, Jay Wait, wait a minute, Gunther. When's the last time you really see Gunther swing a chair, pick up any kind of blunt instrument, throw closed fists? Gunther is a perfect example of a fucking wrestling heel. And they think he's a brawler. No, but let me ask you this. So let's stop there. That's a very interesting point. Do you think best brawler should be someone who like a Brody and an Abdullah who have to go around the ring? Or should it be an in-ring brawler like a Gordy or a Duggan or a Gunther? Well, well, but that's the thing, you know, Abdullah took around and in Japan and then later on here, cause he got over there, took around the ring and in the arena to extremes, but Brody and Duggan and Dr. Death Williams, and even going back to a Steve Austin of more modern times or a Jackie Fargo of more vintage times or anybody who's primarily, they weren't wrestling, they were fighting, they were fucking smash mouth bullshit they would rattle furniture around whether it was in or out of the ring they might fucking throw the table into the ring and fucking bash somebody into it or whatever that to me is a brawler's award wild bull curry gunther is pretty much the epitome of a, the ring is sacred physical chess i'm gonna wrestle you i'm gonna he just hits hard well everybody in wrestling should hit hard uh, no matter what their style, it should appear they're hitting hard, but without doing any of the punching and kicking and face ripping and furniture bashing and brawling, Gunther's not that, and he shouldn't be. He's not crazy, he's a sadist. Jim, best flying wrestler, not that you care, but number one, El Hijo del Vikingo. I'm Num glad for him. Number two, Ray Phoenix. Number three, Dante Martin. 
Number four, Commander. Number five, Will... Wait, Commando. Commander, and I just saw something. He's now working for AEW. He's going to be in that uh, one of their matches. Okay, who is he? Would be my second question. What does he look like? Does he have two arms and two legs? Do we have ever ever seen him before? It's Commander with a K. Oh, he's one of those, huh? Number Does he f- come in in a U-boat? Number five, Will Ospreay. <laughs> Number and five, Will Ospreay. There's the ostrich pops back up again. <laughs> number six, Ninja Mac. And number Ninja s- Mac? What, ha- what happened to Ninja Charlie and Ninja D? And number seven, Mike Bailey. Jim, most overrated. With 159 first place votes, Ronda Rousey. Wow. Can't argue that. Uh, yeah, you can't really argue that. Number two, Tyrus. <laughs> Played the NWA. I didn't able know to get anybody, a showing here. I didn't know anybody rated him. Number three, Roman Reigns. Now, again, just to put this in perspective, this is all first place votes. Roman Reigns, 112 people said he's the most overrated. Number four, I, I, I find that I, well, I find that hard to justify. When how can you rate a guy more than the biggest box office attraction in the business if he is so? So there you go. Number four, CM Punk. Number five, <laughs> Austin Theory. Number six, <laughs> Bray Wyatt. Number seven. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait. You can if, if, again with Bray Wyatt. We don't even know what the fuck he's doing, but. Somebody thinks that Austin Theory is not worth the the hype. They're they're the same people voting for interchangeable Japanese school schoolgirls and fucking Japanese legends who belong in plaster casts. The rest of the list here: Fujita, Jade Cargill, at nine Mandy Rose, and ten Carrion Cross. Carrion Cross, how the mighty have fallen. Remember, he was going to be a big fucking deal. Now we have most underrated. Jim at number one with 114 first place votes. Takeshita with 114 first place votes. I did. How is Take a Shit underrated? Everybody's been raving about him. At number two, Chad Gable. <laughs> at number three, Ricochet. And number four, Mustafa Ali. Have you noticed that it's all the, you know what? This readership desperately wants to apparently be wrestlers because they vote for everybody who looks like some normal fucking schmo and weighs 160 pounds. They're the fucking people they aspire to be, not the superstars. Well, back to the list here. Most underrated, uh, Mustafa Ali. Number five, Ricky Starks. Number six, Eddie Kingston. Number seven, Riho. Number eight, Utami. Her name is Riho. I miss Riho. Honestly, at this point, should be a breath of fresh air in that division. I, th- I think I'd rather suffocate. And number eight, Utami. Hiya, Shash. <laughs> I give up on this. What? I don't know this woman. And number nine, Malachi Black. And at number 10, Saray. Wait, it was Soraya? No, Saray. Apparently, it's a different person. Oh, boy. Rookie of the year. Number one, with 339 first place votes, Braun Breaker. At number two... Wait a minute. Hook. Now, hold on. 
they actually got something right. It, it is clear even to these people that Braun Breaker is the biggest potential star that's a rookie of this year. At number two, Hook. At number three, who I would have picked, Logan Paul. Eh, I don't know with it with an asterisk because he's not going to be a ever going to be a full time wrestler. He's going to make appearances. Braun Breaker is going to be face of the company at some point going forward. This next one is a clear indictment of the readership. Best non wrestler, what used to be best manager for people like you. At one with 384 first place votes, Paul Heyman. You can't argue with that a single bit. Although for best non-wrestler, I may have gone with pockets. But otherwise, <laughs> Paul, Paul Heyman. I think he gets worse non-wrestler. But one, Paul Heyman. Two, William Regal. Any thoughts on that? Um, I'm not against, in, in general, against William Regal. I don't know that he was allowed to or had the opportunity to do anything that was outstanding, particularly when the, the the whole story was so muddled and fucking confusing and back and forth and everything, but I like him as a talent, so it's not, your head doesn't blow up over that. There are 80 Observer readers that think for 2022, Don Callis was the best non-wrestler. Woo! Well, that, you know, but hey, Don's got a big family up there in Winnipeg. 72 people went with Stokely Hathaway. You know, I, I, I don't even know if I can argue with that because they, Stokely really never does anything. He says a few things and he stands there and he's out there every once in a while, but he never really does anything. So jury's still out. At five with 33 votes. I mean, that's where we're at this point in the poll. At five is Rick Ross. Oh boy, the fucking guy that's going to make history. When was that? Was that in 2022? I well, guess so. Yeah, I, I guess, guess it so. was, yeah. At six, with 31 votes, Brendan Cutler. <laughs> at seven, wait, wait, Sanjay wait, how, does it, how does anybody even... Wait a minute. Before we get into Sanjay, because Sanjay at least was at one point a, a competent pro wrestler before he's lost his mind and jumping up and down like a crazy person. But how does Cutlet get involved when he's never even on camera? He's the stooge they refer to that's holding the camera. How the fuck is he a personality anywhere of anything? Well, naturally, if you have a hundred something people voting for that show to be show of the year, being the elite, it makes sense that 31 people would vote for him for best non-wrestler. But then, then can you imagine if we were allowed to vote for fictitious people or people that are just talked about but never seen how many votes Mama Cornette would have got at one point? At number, where were we? Seven, Sanjay Dutt. At eight, Dan Lambert. Was he even on TV this year? It's been a while. Not that I he was any know. good when he was, but... Oh, come on now. No, he stunk. Come on, you can be on. He's a nice guy, you like him, he stunk. Yeah, it started out promising and quickly turned sour. Here's someone I probably would have had higher. I'm trying to remember when he got hurt. Number nine, Christian Cage. With all these other well, people on the list, I would have him higher. Yeah, I mean, it, he's a professional at doing whatever the fuck it is they want him to do. Just sometimes that's all screwy, too, with the dinosaur and all the other stuff. Whose side is who on? It was confusing, but Christian always performs well. And finally, number 10, Renee Paquette. 
Oh, boy. Renee Moxley good. Yeah, she, she stands there and does the same thing that all the other people that stand there with a microphone does. What difference, what is there different about her interviewing skills than everybody else? Male, female, animal, vegetable, or mineral? Here's an interesting one this year. Best television announcer. Of course, Excalibur has won this the last couple of years. At number one, with 332 first place votes, Kevin Kelly. Yay! Kevin made this, this. Of course, again, this this indicates the audience because Kevin's not even, unfortunately, on television in the United States. And the best announcer is, and and, and with all due respect to Kevin, but I would have thought that Ian Riccoboni would have played since he at least has been. He's three on television in the United States. Oh, he's three. Well, who's, who's two? Excalibur. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Well, then everybody from three on down can feel like they got beat by a goddamn cow pie. At four is Taz. At five is Pat McAfee. At six is Chris Charlton. At seven, Tony Schiavone. Who thinks Tony Schiavone's the best television announcer? 30 people voted for him. The best television. For saying what? Oh, guys, I'm really digging this. Oh, this is great. I'm so happy to be here. Think about this. Remember, I've told you the stories. Tony and his wife, Lois, they had five kids when he was back in Charlotte in the 80s. Oh, yeah, and with Dave's voting system. Those five kids have grown up and married five people, and those five people have had probably 10 or 12 kids, so that it's going to add up to about 30 people. Worst television announcer. Number one with 191 first-place votes, Corey Graves. What? Corey Graves. At number two, I have to say, I have found him less annoying now than he was a few years ago, and I know he yells and he says everything they like, but I don't know. He's grown on me, and I think he's also better than he was a few years ago, but that's just me. I mean, just talking about the the rotten announcers in WWE, he's not the worst. and He may be the best one in WWE for whatever that says. And again, nobody's as bad as Sockface on any program, because they don't usually allow basement marks to broadcast on national television so he should take that one but of course he won't but i can't believe they're sticking Corey graves up there number two worst television announcer booker t number three jim ross <laughs> number four michael Wait a minute, cole. Is, he, is he on television these days i don't even know number four michael cole this should be named the michael cole award quite frankly number five kevin patrick Number six, Pat McAfee. At seven, Chris Jericho. At eight, Velvet Sky. And number nine, Tony Schiavone. So a lot of mixed messages from that. Um, best and worst people placing in both. I guess it's a, it's a matter of taste. I guess so. I'll go through a couple of these quick. Best major wrestling show, AEW New Japan Forbidden Door. <laughs> June 26th, was, I didn't like it all, I don't think. Which was a bunch of random matches featuring Japanese guys that nobody actually gives a shit about on a major basis. And But this audience loved that type of thing. Worst major wrestling show, the Royal Rumble, January 25th in St. Louis. I, not this year, but last year. Last year. That's I right. can't remember that one. The best wrestling maneuver, Will Ospreay's Hidden Blade with 117 oh, first place votes, followed by Adam Page's Buckshot Lariat. 
wait a minute. Is the ostriches, that's where he fucking throws his elbow over the top of the guy's head, misses him completely, and the guy sells like he's knocked out. It's, right? a, it's a hidden blade, not the apparent it's, it's, blade. It completely hides from you. You never see it hit. <laughs> the most disgusting promotional tactic. Any guesses? Well, you know, this one was always the one where the smart fans would get on some company, usually the WWF, even back in the 80s, for doing something in poor taste or whether it was with Fritz's heart attack one time, his, his worked heart attack, and a variety of shit where they made fun of stuff that was obviously fake or in rotten poor taste. And so what is it now? At number one... WWE and Vince McMahon appearing on television for a crowd pop after sexual misconduct allegations came out with 704 first place votes. What? That's the most That's disgusting. That's not even promotion. a promotional tactic. It was a cameo. It was a fucking guest appearance. Vince came out, waved at the crowd. Welcome to fucking the show. And here we go. That's what people were most offended by in this. They, it wasn't fucking rotten when the goddamn pizza cutter was juxtaposed in the split screen with the Domino's pizza ad. It it wasn't fucking horrible when the childish EVPs came back and knocked the big star that they'd run off out of the company and then blatantly got on television, acted like weaselly little children, making fun of him. It wasn't. Any of the, I could even see then on the WWE side of things, the, even though it's not a promotional tactic, the, the whole WWE Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis paralegal scandal, but they just decided to be offended that he came out and did what we said he was doing at the time, which was saying, I'm still here, motherfuckers. See, it is offensive. The question is if it's the biggest overriding thing of the year. Now it is something, the balls on this man. But it isn't most offensive. It's Sometimes most... balls don't have to be offensive. Sometimes balls can be defensive. Sometimes balls can be, well, you could admire. You could say, look at those balls. Well, That's a hell of a set of balls. Let's go through the other things on the list here. At number two, WWE continues relationship with Saudi Arabia. I can see where that one might get people, uh, their panties in a wad and their butt cheeks all clenched up. That should have got number one. Yeah, well, don't worry. You have many more years. You'll be able to vote for that for number one, WWE's relationship with Saudi Arabia. At number three, the complete and utter disgrace that was the Ric Flair last match. Uh, At four, Stephanie McMahon's goodbye to Vince on television. Goodbye to Vince. Goodbye to Vince. Goodbye to Vince. You like Patty Smythe scandal? That's your zone of music, yes, new yes. music, whatever I'm the, trying to the say. Patty, Patty, the, 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 the Smythe girl, that little Smythe girl. Number five, AEW not punishing CM Punk after live what? call out of Adam Page. <laughs> And number six, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where did AEW not disciplining empty headed, nothing Adam page for face to face going into business for himself on the promo with CM Punk that instigated that business. Where did that come in on this list? And finally, number six, AEW and Tony Khan's handling of the punk young buck situation. Well, there you go. Uh, Unfortunately, they don't appear to be looking at it from the factual direction but at least it made the list real quick worst television show at one with 415 first place votes wwe raw 
Followed I by, don't think I can argue with that. Nope. Followed by NXT, NWA Power, AEW Rampage, and Women of Wrestling. There's a lot of worthy candidates there. The worst match of the year, Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon. WrestleMania, Ooh. Arlington, Texas, 435 first place votes. Yeah, yeah. At two, Flair and Andrade versus Jarrett and Lethal. That disgraceful display. Nashville. At three, Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi. Boston. Survivor Series. I think Survivor Series, 1126. I don't even remember that one. The Men's Royal Rumble at number four. Matt Cardona versus Trevor Burdock versus Tyrus at five. Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville at six. And the Casino Royale ladder match. (laughs) I don't even even know which one is which one, AEW. The Casino, this, the Roll the Dice, that. Worst feud of the year. Well, and they should have a separate list. The worst match of the year and then worst match of the year that caused an injury. Because then they'd have so many more contenders where they could look at AEW and say, okay, well, so-and-so got hospitalized there and -and so-and-so got fucked up there. Because those matches are bad too because of the nature of the outcome yeah why not why not a best injury if you're into that hey. kind of wrestling yeah do, do you hear anna jay uh it wasn't she the one that got power bombed off the stage onto the floor when they missed <laughs> the table yeah well will nightingale sat on the table yes yeah she apparently hadn't wrestled since and they separated her ribs in that little escapade so for a throwaway a match on rampage yeah they did that okay smart smart booking there Worst feud of the year, The Miz versus Dexter Loomis for 208 <laughs> first place votes. Can't argue, can't argue. Let's go through the rest of this list. Number two, Rousey versus Liv Morgan. At three, Bray Wyatt versus L.A. Knight. At four, I forgot about this one, Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky. They, they did that for a minute, didn't they? At five, Braun Breaker versus Joe Gacy. Six, here's another awful one, Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. Everyone talks about Sammy being repaired from Johnny Knoxville. How about Owens being repaired from Ezekiel? That's right. You know, I'd overlooked because he was going, he was a heel and he was going nuts because nobody would listen to him that this guy was really Elias. At number seven, now this is another truly awful one, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. Ooh. At number eight, Rose Namajunas versus, or Namahunas, I'm not sure, versus Carla Esparza. At number nine, this is surprising, CM Punk versus MJF. What? And number 10, Britt Baker versus Soraya. Or Soraya. Okay, that's, that's a bunch of, you know, buckaroos that are just mad at Punk, so they're going to vote down the best thing that AEW did all year. Jim, worst promotion of the year? At number one with 376 first place votes, WWE. <laughs> Two NWA. You know, when, when there were other successful promotions, you could get away with saying, okay, the fan base that really likes wrestling thinks that the WWE wrestling sucks, and there's other promotions that are clearly better. But now in this no horse race, don't you just have to go with who's actually the most popular at this point? Well, again, number one, WWE for worst promotion. Number two, NWA. Three, control your narrative. Four, AAA. Five, GCW. Six, CMLL. Seven, 
Pro Wrestling Noah, eight, Impact Wrestling, and number nine, MLW. So AEW didn't even get any votes for Worst Promotion of the Year. I don't think those are allowed. Best Booker. Oh, here we go. Drum roll, please, ladies and gentlemen. Did Tony Khan get to live his dream this magic moment when Tony won Booker of the Year? It was so exciting. He jacked off 16 times, and then it happened. He slipped and fell in his goo, and you wouldn't like it if it happened to you to fall in goo. I think you sang that about Sami Zayn last night. Are you just going to assign this song to any I'm, I'm just wrestling personality each show? I'm just going to assign this now show? weekly to, yes, to everybody who falls in their own goo. <laughs> well, number one, <laughs> you see, you have to see. Who, who, who <laughs> fell in the goo? Uh, best booker with 372 first place votes, Tony Khan. There you go. At number two, Rosie Ogawa. At number three. Rosie, who is Rosie? Does she book the the Japanese girls? There's something very interesting about this this year, so let me get through this. Number three, Paul Levesque. Number four, Ghetto. Number five, Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard. Who? At number six, Scott Damore. And number seven for best booker. Sean Michaels. Who is who? Sean Shelby and and Dick My Rod or whatever. Mick Maynard. I'm not exactly sure. Jim, I think this is the one where Dave even had to acknowledge my readership is fucking stupid. Or at least a lot of them who were voting on this stuff. Okay, well, elaborate. Again, Tony Khan number one, 372 first place votes. Paul Levesque, 183 in third place. <clears throat> I usually don't comment on this, and for the first six months of the year, you can make the argument, but WWE and AEW as businesses were in the same position with one much larger, but the clear-cut one, two in the world all year. However, it was WWE that grew all year, while AEW did not do nearly as well in comparison over the last eight months. You can argue bad luck or injuries. But in a Coach of the Year award, one team doing so much better in comparison at the end as compared to the beginning, that coach is going to win. Injuries are part of the game, and regrouping and rebounding from them are as well. A comparison of the promotion of the returns of CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, and Kenny Omega is so greatly in one side's favor. Yes, AEW did create an environment on television and pay-per-view to have far more great matches. And while some of WWE's growth relates to the stadium shows, a lot of it also relates to the aura of Roman Reigns, which is a creative issue, and the bloodline angle, which is booking, and the most effective long-term angle in years. While the angle got stronger in 2023, where it doesn't count for this balloting, it was still the strongest in 2022. In addition, whether you are a fan of Bray Wyatt or not, that out-of-the-box thinking building up to his return was a huge short-term interest-level success. Even if Paul Heyman and Reigns played a huge part in one story and Wyatt himself in the other, 
The overseeing guy is Levesque. This is Dave acknowledging that his readership got it completely wrong in the nicest possible way. This is also Dave telling Tony, you should listen to me. You, should, you yeah. shouldn't have stopped listening to me as much as you were. And this is the acknowledgement that AEW, anyone who argues that TV is coherent or well-booked is a liar. It's a liar. You're a liar. I don't know who I'm accusing of. <laughs> anyone hey, who says that, you're getting hot at me? Here? Anyone who says that is a liar and you're ignoring what's right there in front of everyone's face because you like some of the people and you like some of the matches. It's not good booking in any way. And this is the year that Dave, I think, has to acknowledge the best booker was nowhere near the best booker this year. But what do you think of Dave's explanation? Uh, well, uh, there is much truth to that, but it seems like that that would go without saying that. And who was number two? Rosie Ogawa. Okay, even if you like AEW, whoever the fuck Rosie Ogawa is and whatever she's done. It's a he. Wherever she's done it. It's, huh? a, it's a he. All right. Well, from stardom. Oh, Jesus Christ. Of course. Not that many people saw it compared to what Paul Levesque did that made hundreds of millions of dollars. So, uh, that's the list, eh, Brian? Promoter of the year, Tony Khan. Oh, my. fifteen first place votes, followed by Dana White, Rosie Ogawa. Paul Levesque, what? Nick Khan, Kidani, Stephanie McMahon, and Vince McMahon. Well, four or five people got the WWE credit, so that diluted their votes, I guess. I want to go back to the previous thing. What do you think of Dave saying that? Because you know what Dave's relationship with Tony's like. The fact that Dave is going in print, and again, in the nicest way, almost admonishing anyone who voted what is yeah, clearly well, completely wrong. The only thing that will cause Dave to turn on one of his close friends and idols like that is when one of his close friends and idols doesn't keep listening to him and, and starts listening to other people. And then he finds offense, I guess. If, if, you know, 40-year friendships don't matter, but goddamn, don't want to listen to Dave about his booking ideas to get those seven-star matches. He's going to start firing back. And again, 372 people voted for him to be Booker of the Year. So that's the other thing people need to know. Dave didn't vote for it. Everyone was like, look at the awards. Dave's biased. These are actual awards voted by people. And only 372 people out of the entire voting body voted for Tony Khan. So for anyone who wonders if it's a big deal or not, how big a deal is that? How big a deal is that? You know what's a big deal, don't you? The big deal is we have now proven that Dave's readership, at least, if nothing else, needs remodeling. But then we've seen pictures of Dave at his office at home, and we, there possibly needs to be some remodeling there done as well. And I don't even know what in the wide, wide world of sports Dave Meltzer's bathroom looks like, but I bet you, I'll bet my bottom dollar, there needs to be some remodeling and renovation done in Dave Meltzer's bathroom as well. So, folks, he probably doesn't listen to us anymore. He's mad at us. But if you happen to speak to Uncle Dave or anybody else that has a bathroom that even your dog don't want to poop in or a, a, a bathroom, a shower and bathtub apparatus that your senior citizen members of the household can't get in and out of or 
Your female members of the household say, I'm not sitting my naked butt down on that rotten grout and that mildew and all the seams. No matter who in your home doesn't want to poop in your reading room because it's ugly and unattractive, now is the time to make that change, and you can do it in the twinkling of an eye, in the snap of a finger, in the tick of a clock, in one day even. Because the folks at West Shore Home, the fastest growing shower and bath remodeling company in the United States of Buy Gum America, will fully replace your old shower or bathtub with the modern showers or baths in just one day. And we've been talking about the way they do it. They send out an advance guard. They send out feelers at first. They send out the specialists. What? I wouldn't call it an advance guard. An advance. Well, they send out the troops to survey the scene and make sure they got the battle plan all set up. They'll send out a specialist, a remodeling professional, that will a design consultant even, that will come and show you all the stuff they've got. Laser-etched designs, built-in seats, shelves, doors, windows, magnetic shower heads. Boy, howdy, I'll tell you what, except if you have any screws or bolts in your very in your knees or your elbows or your body, if they've been surgically implanted, you'll never be able to pry that shower head off yourself. But otherwise than that, they're great. <laughs> okay. The dream shower or bath you've always wanted, they will show it to you. You'll pick out everything you want. And then mere days later, possibly even hours, they might bring the truck right at that point and just troop the people in. They're remodeling professionals, professionals. That's a short for professionals. <laughs> They do a one-day bath replacement. See, they're using contractions because they got to get to the point. Everything's fast. They even speak in shorthand. Fuck, you won't understand what these people are saying. They only use three or four out of eight letters in the word because they want to keep moving. And it's fast, easy, and convenient. They take out the old shower bath. They throw it out in the backyard where the dogs can play with it. Or the kids, whatever, because sometimes kids like to play with old bathtubs in the backyard. And then they will install your brand new and do all the cleanup and have it ready to use before dinner, even if you don't eat dinner they'll do in that. your shower. Yes, they'll do that. You don't have to worry about a bathtub or anything else in your backyard. Certainly don't have your children play with equipment or not equipment, uh, appliances. Is a well, bathtub no, an appliance? No, it's not. Bathtub's not an appliance. Bathtub is more of a fixture. Now, the kids really enjoy playing with old refrigerators and freezers. No. If you leave them out there, but make sure that the door handles still latch, because elsewise they'll leave them open. They'll cool the whole neighborhood. No. But anyway, I, I, I assumed that it was a, a situation know. where a lot of people eat dinner in their bathtub or shower if they get a new one as a way of celebrating it, sort of like a housewarming. And that's why the West Shore Home, get these incredible remodels done before dinner. You've informed me that that's not the case. Most people don't eat in their bathtub or shower. They just want to have, we want to just have it available before dinner. So that's what they do. Ladies and gentlemen, West Shore Home is a wonderful sponsor of this show. And they, they can do a wonderful job in your home. They can. If there's one thing you remember from this entire spot, remember this. Yes. They are tremendous at what they do. And they can do it for you. They can come and improve your bathtub, improve your life. Who doesn't want a better bathtub? That makes That's your life right. better. So yeah. remember this. Cleaner. West Shore Home. You should try them today.
Yes, or tomorrow if it's too late today. Because you don't want them coming out in the middle of the night. Now, once they have your address, they may stop by on a regular no, they basis. Won't. No, they won't. They, they are won't. professional. Well, just to check and make sure everything's okay. They will come at the allotted time. Sometimes they just drive by the house about two or three in the morning, shine a light in the window, make sure everything still looks like they left it. That's, that's not what they do. <laughs> like a Dick Tracy episode. No, that's yeah, not what they it's do. Just, it, they're patrolling. It's part of the service. Folks, right now, if you want a better-looking bathroom <laughs> and you want to poop in peace, you need to call West Shore Home if you live in or around the following fine American metropolitan areas. Louisville, Lexington, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Richmond, Salisbury, Virginia Beach, Winston-Salem, Charlotte, Greenville, Asheville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Charleston, Wilmington, Myrtle Beach, Greenville, New Bern, Columbia, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Orlando, Ocala, Tampa, Birmingham, Huntsville, Montgomery, Oklahoma City, Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Phoenix, Denver, Colorado Springs, Salt Lake City, Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. And they do windows and doors, too. And you can check out their website to see which locations that you can see through their windows or come through their doors. Happiness is just a phone call away. And once you finish calling that hooker, get on the phone and call out promo.westshorehome. Happiness the hooker? That's what it says. Happiness is just a phone (laughs) call away. That's what the, the name she gave me was happiness. But then once you do that, you get online and you go to promo.westshorehome.com backslash gym for all the information. You will get the fastest, easiest, most convenient home remodeling experience you will ever have in your entire pee picking life. That's promo.westshorehome.com backslash gym. Just backslash me. That's right. West Shore Home and. Hey, Jim, on the topic of renovations, let's talk about a way. I know this isn't my show. This is your show. But if I can. I'd, I'd forgotten that. Thank you for reminding me. I forgot which one we were on. But since I'm here, maybe I can help a little bit. Since you're here, might as well contribute in some way. One of the listeners has sent in a suggestion on Twitter. I just wanted to read it to you. From a at Jason. Well, I don't know what the ad is here. From Jason Slaughter. After listening. Wait, to- wait, is that, is that Sarge's nephew? Uh, maybe so. Maybe so. I don't see any G.I. Joe insignia in the uh, logo here, but after listening to the recent episode of The drive through I'd like to suggest a new Patreon idea. A nominal fee grants one access to all the shows with Jim singing edited out. The sound of it makes me what, wish... What? The sound of it makes me wish that WWE Pyro had blown up in my ear instead. Hey! <laughs> Thank you, Jason, for that suggestion. What kind of... Well, that's just, that's just cruel. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'll be first in line paying for that episode. <laughs> oh, come on. You know, just because of that, I got a good mind not to sing anymore. Just because of that, I got a good mind not to, but I'll get over it. If you don't stop booing, I'll, I'll walk right out of here right now. Yeah, I've seen this before. <laughs> if, if, if you don't, if you don't, wait a minute, how could I do this where the psychology is right? If, if you don't start listening to this show, I'll stop singing. How does that? I'll stop singing if you start listening, but you've already listening. How would you know I was singing? See, we got to work on this. 
Speaking of things that need some work. The sad state of the we, music industry, this could be the headline story in Billboard this week. You know, actually, I've I've been on a few billboards back in the days of the, when I was missing and they were putting my picture up and everything. Anyway, when I was working for WCW under Jim Hurd. Anyway, let's talk about some shit that... <laughs> I'm going to save it for anybody that doesn't live their life over this shit and doesn't know what the ratings are this week. We're going to save that till the end. But this was the week that the blind squirrel found a nut. And AEW for February 22nd, for those of you keeping track, I, you know, again, they've got a lot of talent under contract in term numerically quantifically however you the quantity of them they've got a bunch of them and you would think that they'd have something else put on the show except for what they did but as we found out when we went through the roster just they have a lot of guys doesn't mean they have a lot of stars but the opening match on the show was the contest for the a and p title the belt they made up when they were going to take over, what what all countries did they put in the uh, Atlantic that aren't in the Atlantic? They were going to take over all those countries. And I think Japan. The, yeah, Japan and points south, uh, Indochina, Bulgaria, Tunisia. Australia. There you go. So Pockets, the company mascot, is defending against Wheeler Useless. And... I wasn't sure, uh, obviously, for the kind of people who like that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing those people like in terms of pockets. Uh, he's a baby face in this environment. Remember when, first it was Daniel Garcia, comes out of nowhere, not really ready for the spot from a personality standpoint and experience green in the ring, but you can't fucking get rid of him, you can't overlook him, he's everywhere. He's El Cabong. And then they settled him down, and then Wheeler, old Wheelie, came into the picture. And he was the darling boy, and you couldn't get away from him, and you couldn't see around him, and he was on everything, and they loved him. But now since he's with the... with the, 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 B, the BBC... The, the BCC... The the Black Blackpool it would be the BPC Blackpool Combat Club well, or Blackpool's the Liverpool. <clears throat> oh, that's true. And somebody said actually now from England they said Blackpool is more noted for ballroom dancing than fighting as a uh, as a just a city not involved in wrestling but just as a general term. But anyway, Alan Blackstock from Blackpool. There, there, there you go. The Baron of Blackpool. Um, he's a noted ballroom dancer. Every time he comes in a room, he's dancing around. His balls are hanging out. It's incredible. <laughs> but anyway, so then he, since he's with them and they're heelish now, because old Moxley's become a heel, I get now old Wheelie, they did a long promo over his entrance with him telling pockets off to his face. And gee, he makes Jungle Boy sound like Liv Schreiber. Um <laughs> Just the whininess. So, but he's a heel now, I guess, because I was wondering about that. But nobody works like a heel. They just, you know. Well, Wheeler ended up doing it after Claudio came out and slapped him in the face. But point B. You thought Wheeler was a heel. 
here? Well, yes, because at first they, the match consists of them starting out doing what all the indie wrestlers think is mat wrestling, all the chain stuff, and, and it's completely fluid and nobody's actually trying to snatch and grab a position or an advantage. It's the flawless rolling around like choreographed tumbling on the mat that they've learned because they can't replicate Billy Robinson and Tony Charles's and the the classic world of sport guys's toughness and wrestling ability and raw bone you know fucking manliness but they can roll around and simulate those moves so every indie wrestler thinks that's what the mat wrestling is they do a bunch of that along with the fancy flipping until claudio comes down and slaps useless in the face and then he grabs pockets and throws him over the table and turns the table over on him and now the crowd hates useless and I hated both of them. But yes, so then he became the heel. Did you not notice? Because he still looks like such a nice boy. I thought you were kind of saying you thought he started as the heel. No, but he, but he is the heel in this position, whether he was wrestling like one or not at the, at the start, because all these people like pockets. And he had just whined at him, so he was an annoying fuck, was Wheeler anyway. But nevertheless, um, this match, I had to say, I, okay, they've actually put this thing on first, and I said, certainly it probably won't go long. Well, I was wrong there. But I watched this thing to see if this guy has anything to show for himself after all these years of being a fucking dipshit. And no, he, at one point he put his hands in his pockets and stood there while Wheeler beat the shit out of him. And Taz even said, you know, he better take his hands out of his pockets. Why would, I don't, apparently they have cornered the market in AEW on the audience that wants to laugh at and make fun of wrestling will, God forbid anything is ever taken seriously and we need to just be silly and laugh because this is a fun night out for the, you know, well, not the kids, there's no kids, but I don't know why anybody would like this bland, nondescript idiot doing phony fucking shit in the middle of a supposed professional wrestling match. You know, you could say what you want about the rating and we're going to talk about that later on, but the other interesting thing was, I mean, tell me what you think, but other than a few hot crowd segments during MJF stuff. This is the hottest crowd they've had in quite a while for Dynamite, don't you think? Yes, th these people, they loved, and where were they again? Were they... Uh, I don't remember. That's, <laughs> I was I hoping think you remember. No, I think they were, they're still out west. Possibly it was out in Phoenix. Uh, they haven't, I don't know where those, these people get out a lot then, but yes, they, the, the people in the building, however many of them there were of that loved almost all of this shit. Phoenix. And they went, they were in Phoenix. They went through, there you go. Well, there you, the Phoenix will rise from the ashes. They must've been smoking before they came in. But anyway, um, they went through a break and they come back it, again Anybody else besides the current AEW faithful, when you look at this, it looks so outlaw. It looks so childish because you got 
you know, one guy that, as you said, looks like that fucking superhuman clown on YouTube with no physique and nobody's ever heard of him for six months ago. And he's attempting to wrestle this fucking guy that looks like, you know, a assistant at Jiffy Lube with blue jeans and a haircut of some description. Bleh. And it just looks like kids <laughs> wrestling. It looks like that when they traded, we, when know, they traded the forearms in the middle of the ring. Oh God! That's where that what you just said. That's where it really stood out. Like, look at how they're just playing with each other. That's what it looked like to me. Even though and, the people they were screaming, it wasn't about what they were actually doing. Yes, it wasn't what they were doing. They just liked the idea of him doing it because I mean, Wheeler was trying. His his looked like shit, but he was trying. But. Pockets was just raising his arm and going through the motion because he's lazy. I don't know. Uh, you could train chimpanzees to have this match because there's no facials. There's no emotion to it. It's, oh, we're going to roll around and do this. At one point, Useless held Pockets' hands and stomped him like the Blackpoolers do. And then they both stood up still holding hands and Pockets just came and hugged him. and so. Wheeler headbutted him. And now we've established that the baby face is a complete moron. Wouldn't children even think this is silly? So that's why I say they they are their section of fans, and this is the section of fans that the Buckaroos created, just want to go and laugh at wrestling and think it's supposed to be silly because that's what their product is. And... It's disheartening, but also that's why there's a lot more people watching the other channel because it may be boring, but at least it's not unprofessional. <clears throat> so anyway, um, then they spit on each other, and then they did the fake forearm trade. I've made a note that Pockets' forearms wouldn't have tipped over Aunt Lola. But then they start hitting moves that should kill each other, especially with their scant body weight and frail frames and they didn't sell anything or even go for a cover and then finally oh wheelie got a two count with a pile driver and then the other clown does roman reigns's finish so he reminds everybody every time that the biggest star in wrestling is not there it's this guy it's like adam pages and logan paul's finish well there you go and finally, Pockets beat him with Roman Reigns' finish. And at that point, Pockets wanted a hug, and Claudio came back out and called Wheeler out, and we were 23 minutes into the show to have to sit through that. And I again... I don't care whether their audience likes it or not, because their audience likes almost everything, as we've established. But they all, their audience also, when they were shown it, liked MJF and Punk, and liked FTR and the Briscoes, and have liked the, the good matches that they have intermittently been given. So it's not like they refuse to look at the good shit and just like the silly shit, but why do you have to contaminate your program with silly shit that will run 
anybody that would that is not currently actively watching off like what the fuck this is kids wrestling this is is this nickelodeon what is this and that's you know i it's because of the buckaroos and their ilk their clique their group their treehouse boys club whatever you want to call it that they cannot get anywhere because the not only the their problem is not only are they showing shit like this on television but that their fans react positively to it so they do more of it instead of the, the good shit that their fans also react positively to but they don't do more of that because that's not the fucking bailiwick or the wheelhouse of the EVPs, your thoughts. I would have sent a Tony Schiavone or a Renee Moxley good, or one of the other people there out as soon as this match was over to announce we're coming back to Phoenix next month. <laughs> These people were ridiculous. They were super into this. I mean, I say that in the best way, because this is what every wrestling promotion dreams of a crowd like this. That's eating everything up. I guess maybe the movie theaters are still closed. I don't know what's going on there. Hot crowd, the match didn't do it for me. Because even when I try to watch it, like the forearm spot really stuck out to me because it was a close-up. And I'm watching these guys try to wrestle a physical style. They just can't. Can't. I, I understand they're trying. Yeah. I'm, I'm even looking past the gimmick right now. I understand they're trying. But come on. And, you know, world of sport, at least there were weight divisions. You know what I mean? Like, Adrian Street was small, but look at his forearms. You know, he knew how to fight. Well, besides his fucking chest was, you know, as wide as everybody else's, he was just built that way. He was squat. But, my God, again, Adrian wasn't even the classic example because a lot of people will point, well, he skipped around the ring. Yeah, and he then he'd take you down, and he also could really stretch you and do all those things because he was a shooter. But... It's not even the weight division. It's the lack of trying to appear professional. Nobody has ever been able to explain what this fucking goofy fucking Orange Cassidy gimmick is or why that it has stayed what it has for all this time and how <laughs> that it doesn't make the business look like a complete joke and how anybody that would be a fan of the WWE or a lapsed wrestling fan from the Attitude Era or any fan of actual, any kind of wrestling that doesn't want to laugh at the business and make fun of it, why they would enjoy something like this. And so that's what limits them to this indie wrestling bubble that they are going to be in. And that's Tony's mindset too. He like because he likes these guys as friends. He thinks it's cute. Let's move on because one of the guys that uh, we have said, boy, if he could just get some consistent TV time and a nice little push, Ricky Starks comes out to the oh, ring, looks great. This segment, <laughs> this segment, wearing a suit. Contract was about to fall out of his pocket, but nevertheless, he comes and the whole thing is he supposedly plays a mind game, reverse psychology, whatever you want to call it, and goads Chris Jericho into signing a contract 
to meet him for a rematch by coming out and saying that he doesn't want a rematch. And he, he knows Jericho doesn't want a rematch. We're moving on. But I've got an open contract well, for on. Revolution. Hold on. He said we're moving on, and the place popped. Yes. They yes. were happy. Oh, well, finally, he's yes. moving on from this Jericho feud. This is an unconventional <laughs> way to end the feud. Just coming out and saying, you know what? If you actually think about it, I already beat him. I'm kind of done with this. I'm just going to be yeah. doing something else. The greatest way Yay. I've ever seen it. And the feud, the place pops. They swerved me. They ruined my night with this, but go ahead. Uh, well, I, you know, I did for a second think that the, as something actually else was going to happen when he said that, but uh, he did a very good promo, very good presentation of the, the concept of this. Who wants to sign this open contract? Of course, Jericho music. And he comes out wearing a fucking spiked suit that looks like a pincushion and a porcupine had a baby. And then he comes in and says, well, I can beat you anytime, but I'm not going to because you're not at my level. So he doesn't want the match. And then, and even this, in the middle of their shit where they're trying to make a point and trying to sign a pay-per-view match, they can't resist being silly for no reason. Because while Jericho's standing out there, they play music and that fucking... Peter Avalon, fucking moron. It comes, it looks like Ron Jeremy in the 80s if he lost 100 pounds and most of his dick. He comes out <laughs> and fucking, to accept the challenge while Jericho's doing the fucking promo and, and Starks is in the ring. And Jericho just knocks him out with the Judas. And he lays there. So comedy for no reason in the middle of this that wasn't needed just because they think they're cute. I don't know. It was a Jericho thing. Jericho's wrestling him this Wednesday on Dynamite. Oh, good God. Well, hey, where's Action Andretti? Will go, well, that's good booking. Where's the guy Jericho made? Where's Action Andretti? Whatever happened to that guy? Have you checked YouTube or potentially the fucking YMCA, the homeless shelter? Anyway, so Jericho gets in the ring and Ricky Starks goads him finally into thinking that he's coming up with the idea for the match, that he wants to have it, and then finally he does the pin click and signs the thing. And so now we got that match on the pay-per-view. Why? They still haven't explained why. What was this entire segment? I'm coming out here to say, I'm moving on. I've just decided to move on. The place pops because they're ready to move on from this stupid feud. One, another one of the endless Jericho feuds. I have an open contract. Now, first of all, he's not a champion of any sort. <laughs> so what is that? I mean, do wrestlers just, I have an open contract. Anyone who wants this open contract. Well, see, it was all part of his plan to hoodwink and bamboozle Chris Jericho. To get revenge for beating him? For beating him. Yes. Simplicity is the best thing to go for at this point, because this is ridiculous. <laughs> Peter Avalon running out there reeks of Jericho, and of course they're wrestling this Wednesday on Dynamite. Uh, Ricky Star, again, the no famous for Ricky Star. Wait, wait a minute. Again, let's go back, and if anybody is a wrestling fan that's past the big two companies and has seen anything from Ring of Honor, MLW, or any of the other promotions... Folks, Peter Avalon is going to be presented on national television against a former WWF champion, while some of the talent that you've seen in those other companies, and there is some there, 
toils away in, in obscurity, chained in the bowels of a slave ship, and nobody ever fucking sees him. But Peter Avalon, because they think he's funny, I guess, and Tony Khan signed him three years ago. He's been there since the start. He's had multiple uh, gimmicks. He's the wrestler uh, they've recycled he's, he's the most. Made, he's made me take multiple gimmicks to have to watch him. I'll tell you that. They got Ricky Stocks. Ricky Stocks. Starks. Hey, who are you? Kevin Sullivan. That'll be his name in WWE. They got Ricky Stocks red hot with MJF. To the point where, if you ever want to talk about an audible being pulled, that looking back now, that may have been the one. Forget Danielson. Let's try to find a way to extend this. Instead, they went right into the Jericho feud. And everything we said would happen has happened. He beat Jericho, so Jericho say, look, he beat me. Does anyone remember that? Why are they still feuding then? All these guys he has to wrestle week after week, guys that people don't care about. This coincides with the ratings going down. People were relieved that Ricky Starks was done with Jericho. And instead, they're having another match for no good reason. Well, speaking of a match for no good reason, they next had, and I want to reference this, we'll come back to it later, but they had comments from all the tag team, not even all of them, but some of the tag teams, in the tag team battle royal later on, they didn't put graphics over that. You wouldn't know who some of these people were. And they've come up with 10 tag teams that are all going to be in a battle royal and vie for an opportunity to go against the champions and the former champions in a four-way at the pay-per-view. And I know what you're saying. Well, that's only three. They're going to have another battle royal this week for another... God, God, I can't make this up. You know, speaking of tag teams, I got to look into this. Someone emailed the drive through I'm looking at it right now. Did AEW thank every single Observer winner except FTR? What, that's... Like, I know? What are you... Apparently, I got to go into this. Apparently, AEW on social media congratulated everyone. It says here, including the Briscoes, they showed a picture of and congratulated them for Feud of the Year without even mentioning FTR. Hmm. There's something interesting. It's... That's a, a, a interesting oversight. Probably just a clerical error, probably. Hmm. But speaking of the tag team champions and former champions, the acclaimed top of the fucking buttermilk run, they were pitted in this program against the stellar tag team of Lee Moriarty and Big Bill. And yes, we've said they they need to get some fucking wins to try to rehab their image with the fans in terms of in-ring competition after being defeated by... The Gun Boys will, I think, now go down in history as the fastest ever from debut of professional career to World Tag Team Champions of National Television Promotion. Well, I don't know. And, well, the Road Warriors. Um... What world tag team title did they win first? The world tag team title? <laughs> uh, they won the national tag team titles? No, I'm talking about world tag I know, I'm trying to, in my head, I'm trying to go through the year. Uh, well, actually, but they were on TBS. Uh, okay, besides the Road Warriors. Road Warriors were quicker. Point is, <laughs> these two green teams, they're trying to keep them afloat. After they pitted them against each other, 
And so the acclaimed needs wins, but again, I don't know whether they need wins like this. It's Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. Stokely Hathaway is in the corner. And remember I've said uh, work-wise in the ring, I thought Bowens is usually ahead of Caster, but in this case, Caster starts out and he's nice and sharp. He hits a good arm drag. And they cut him off in 30 seconds. Boom, and they set up a blind tag and they hit a double team and they go to the break in one minute. <laughs> so when we come back, they've I guess all the heat was in the commercial break because we come back and old Big Bill misses a charge into the turnbuckle and they make simultaneous tags and that they've been back within 45 seconds. So basically we didn't see much of the body. There was no body of the match and we didn't see what was in the commercial break. Bowens makes comeback. Big Bill stops him. Okay. I, I said before the first time I saw when he was, who was he? Cass Elliott? No, he uh, in WWE? No, when he first appeared in AEW, they brought him in one time and you didn't see him again for a while. Big Cass? Uh, was it Cass? But they couldn't No, that's, that's when he, this, he was, he was William Morrissey. W. Morris. Before he became W. Morris. No, that's before he, I think they had the whole, well, nevertheless, under another name, he comes in the first time. I said, eh. Why isn't he Big Bill Morrissey? Well, because they're idiots. That's what I'm fixed to get to. I said, well, everybody liked him because he was in front of them, but I was like, he's blah. He needs to work on some shit. I wasn't that much impressed. But he has worked on some shit, and he does look better physically in his work. But he, he's a big guy wearing blue jeans, and his name is Big Bill. How much more boring can you be? What is his? Why does he wear blue jeans? What is his? Is he a lumberjack? Is he? Is, are you a warrior? Oh, Aaron boy. Why? You know, yeah, maybe if there was big, regular time with the manager in front of him making Big Bill a thing where every time he says it, he points to him or something, but there's nothing. Oh, golly. Well, he would need a manager for that. Oh, I forgot he's got one. <laughs> Stokely. Never told us dick all of shit about who Big Bill is, where he came from, what his fucking problem with life is, and why he's fucking pissed off. So anyway, the gun boys suddenly came out and attacked Billy right after the, the comeback and everything, and then the acclaimed ran them off and then stopped Moriarty and Caster hit him with the elbow off top one, two, three. So they're getting wins in name only, but they're not actually showing that they're good wrestlers. It's just it, they come out, they run a couple spots, somebody interferes, somebody else does something, they scissor and fucking whatever. <sighs> but I, I, you know, that's what we got in this company is everybody is going to run in or be involved or hang around without any explanation and it confuses the various issues any comments before we move on i think we need right now to get them back to where they were more rapping and shorter matches wins very short matches. but, but well, how could a match be any shorter than this they showed 45 seconds on one side and about a minute and a half on the other side it it was actually a six minute match it was just all in commercial if you're only going to air under three minutes of the match, don't take a break in the middle of it. 
It's it's just here's another thing. I understand plans had to change because of everything that happened at all out. But apparently Stokely was figured into things. I mean, that's the way it looked. He was tied in with MJF. MJF apparently was about to do something with CM Punk before everything else happened. Stokely would have been tied into that. Plans had to change. I mean, Moxley wasn't originally planned to not go on vacation and do things. He had to fix things. That's what Booker of the Year did. There was nothing better they could have done with Stokely. This guy was going to be in a main event program or around it. And instead, he's just a manager wearing funny outfits each week. Well, apparently he can't manage to manage. Somebody ought to manage that. Maybe he's being mismanaged. So Tony Shavanto was on the uh was on the whoo, that's it was on the uh entrance way or the ramp or the stage or whatever he introduces christian cage and as soon as christian comes out jungle boy comes flying out from the back and jumps him and kicks the shit out of him and goes to concerto him but as he does that he does he gets conflicted He's he's picked the chair up over his head, and there's Christian laying there on the chair motionless. By the way, Christian is. And Jungle Boy pulls the the chair back, and then you see it on his face. He gets conflicted. He has a change of heart. He's human. He has compassion. I wish you saw that on his face. You just saw him go, eh, and kind of turn away like he was dejected, like Mom forgot to put his fucking pudding in his lunchbox but then finally he goes oh shit i'm gonna do it anyway and he draws back and that's when christian reaches up and just punches him in the dick and then christian hit him with the fucking chair right in the head and it looked good and then he went got on top of him and ran his head into the chair which this looked nice and violent about five or six times in a row And then Christian gets up and walks in front of the camera and glorifies to the people and walks away from Jungle Boy. It's because they, I'm sure, had a meeting about, we're not going to fucking see this one on fucking camera this week. So they didn't. Christian provided the coverage for about 30 full seconds while Jungle Boy got up the nerve to uh, apparently look like he bladed himself with a paperclip and he got a pap smear, as the boys used to call it back in the 80s. He must have been scared shitless. because, And the thing is, dumb shit, if you had someone that was capable of what they were doing with the sleight of hand, he already should have had it when Christian punched him in the dick and he dropped the chair if he'd have pulled it right there and Christian grabbed that chair and gave him that backhand shot with it, if he'd have rolled over and got it right there, then when Christian started running him into the chair, there, and also if he'd have gotten a suitable amount, then it would have looked like he was bashing his face bloody into the chair. But he waits until Christian's bashed him five or six times and then walks away because it took him 30 seconds to get a pap smear. And then he's laying there and the announcer, oh my God, poor jungle boy. While it looked, I've had pimples that gushed more profusely. Your thoughts? Yeah, poor jungle boy. He's an idiot. This was two weeks of angles. Let's just say that first of all. Jungle boy should have come out there, 
got his slight revenge, knock Christian down. We don't get to hear Christian talk. The next week, Christian gets him. Because now, once again, the babyface just looks like an idiot. What was he doing? Why do this? Why do this? This is the dumbest feud. He came out, start a fight that he didn't want to finish. It was like they did, again, you, you could have ended it there. It would have been perfect. And instead, it's this again. This is the worst feud. There was so much stupid stuff on this show between the Ricky Starks Jericho thing and this and Danielson's veiled threat. Or not veiled threat, idle threat, I guess I should say. I don't know. This was terrible. Idol had nothing to do with it, darling. Jungle Boy um, looked like a badass for like a split second. I got my revenge. Then, I kicked the shit out of this guy. Now I'm just going to hang out until I get my ass kicked. So you forget well, yeah, all then, about that. And then that. he goes to put him away and then he turns into a pussy. That's the thing. If he had left on that, left on being a badass, that sets it up perfect for whatever you want to do next week. Then have Christian come get him. Build this thing up instead of it's still Christian versus the moron naive kid. <laughs> How is it still that? Uh, Just wait until Luchasaurus. Where's he? Wait until he pops in the middle of the match or whatever they're going to do. They, didn't they sue him over the mask? Well, they didn't he sue him. Someone sued him, not AEW. Somebody, well, no, I'm just saying they, meaning I don't remember who it was, but somebody sued him over the uh, mask or whatever, and, and I guess he can't... If I was him and had the matches he's had, I wouldn't want to go out in public and reveal my true face either. Maybe he'll change into a bird or some other kind of animal. A pterodactyl. Wrestledactyl. Re- there, there Luchadactyl. 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 <laughs> See, no one could sue him now, except us. But we would. And we would. No, I'd let Just, him do it. You could have Luchadactyl. Luchasaurus. Yeah, if, 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 uh, if you start calling yourself Luchadactyl, we won't sue you. Yes. Otherwise, we'll sue you for impersonating a wrestler. All right, speaking of wrestling impersonation. We won't sue you, we'll sue Tony. The next match was Soraya versus Sky Blue. And I I was feeling like at this point in the show that I was watching a WWE product because of the match times on the... Well, they had to get all the indie-rific goo puddlers out of the way the first 25 minutes of the show so now all the other matches are like a couple minutes but in this case we didn't want any more of it Soraya won in a couple minutes and then uh, Baker and Hayter came out to keep Sky Blue from getting painted by Soraya and that whole yeah and then we got Brian Danielson at the top of the nine o'clock hour and again, the people love Danielson, and rightfully so. And he did an in-ring promo, and it it started, it was a really good recap of everything that MJF has done to him, and Brian is the rare indie darling wrestler that can actually speak with emotion. The, and I'm, I'm not putting him down by it's not his fault who some of his fans are. But he gets speaking with some emotion, and he's a great, you know, performer in the ring and, you know, on the microphone, as we've said. And so this should have been bulletproof as a segment because then MJF is coming out. And, of course, at the appropriate time, his music interrupts, comes out with a serious face. 
Brian, tell me what you thought about MJF this week from either a promo stat or a wrestling logic standpoint. I mean, I'm a big MJF fan, as I've expressed many times here on the show, and it's only because his segments end up traditionally being the very best on the show. His promos are the best. His matches, whenever we actually see him wrestle, I've liked those matches typically the best on the show, whatever pay-per-view they were on. Him and Darby, to me, is still a classic that opened the show uh, a couple years ago. I think this entire Danielson feud has been a miss, and I think there's not just like one party to blame or anything. It's just, it hasn't worked. I don't think Danielson has worked. It worked when he was a heel. We can't keep saying that, but for the last year, I think everything with Danielson has been a miss. I don't care how many good matches he has. They put him in the in the group and made him one of the boys, and he stopped speaking because Moxley can't get off the fucking microphone. And he became, instead of a, a premier individual, a guy in that group of people that's being shoved down our throat. It feels like MJF, I mean, this is, what, the second week in a row? Maybe, maybe yeah, I guess second week in a row, but it's not the first time it's happened where it's gone right to the, like some personal story from the past. And obviously that's a big thing for wrestling promos and it works, but he just did it like a week ago, like two weeks ago it was this girlfriend in the car. And now it's this other girlfriend who broke up with him. Well, yeah, and it also, it, it personal stories from the past work when they can be applicable to the situation at hand. Well, that's the other thing. It's kind of like, I have this, it, it seemed like it was like, I have this thing I could say out here. How am I going to tie it to Danielson? And Danielson's not going to give me much help, <laughs> which, which is what it's Because <laughs> at one point, I mean, not to spoil anything because you're going to keep reviewing it, but at one point, what I said before, the idle threat, he says, if you say anything, I'm going to kick your ass or whatever he said. I'm yes. going to stomp your face in. And then MJF just kept talking and Danielson stood there and he let him did walk the exact casually thing, in the ring. Yes, he, he did the exact thing that Danielson told him not to do for a while. <laughs> um, but okay, let's, let's back up here. But yeah. here's the thing with... With the MJF promo, couple of issues that I have. Number one, he is so mad at Danielson that it's like Danielson owns him, lives rent-free in his head, as the kids like to say. He's too mad. He should be, in a lot of cases, the same material, but just from a standpoint of the cocky heel motherfucker that's trying to get into this fucking... He, he, he looks at Danielson like a fucking nerd wrestling mark kind of guy with a happy family and you know, loves to work and wrestle for the fans and all that stuff. MJF, again, is in a position where he's the fucking 20-something-year-old making tons of money with the belt. He's dressed great. He ought to be getting in these other guys' heads and talking about they need to be in mad Danielson's... Yes, to get the babyface mad at him, then you can show some weakness Danielson can bring out. It's because he's insecure, but MJF shouldn't be out there having a meltdown, and he definitely shouldn't be saying, well, I've been thrown away like trash by anyone who's ever loved me. I met a girl who convinced me that every human being wasn't bad, and I proposed. I got down on my knees. I said, I want to spend my life with you and give me my children. And then she left me. And they start chanting, you deserve it. Do you see Danielson's face while he's saying all this? He's, he's yes, just... but he, I think he was gobsmacked. <laughs> but 
but the thing is, is that MJF was getting, he was taking heat off himself by giving the people something to laugh at him. You deserve it. Yeah, fuck you. I'd have dumped you too. Ha ha ha. They're laughing at, they're not getting mad at him when they're laughing about something bad that happened to him. Except that they wouldn't have known that bad thing happened to him unless he told them. It's like he invited one of the baby faces to come out and beat him up right in front of those people while he's trying to be the hot heel world champion. He should be talking about the amount and quality and variety of pussy that he's getting while Danielson, the fucking nerd, the wrestling mark, is stuck at home with a wife that probably tells him what to do because she's a bigger fucking star. And he's probably changing the diapers on that little fucking crumb snatching rug rat they've got running around while I'm fucking everything from eight to 80 blind, crippled or crazy. If they can't walk, I'll drag them. And I'm making all the money and I'm on network television. And you, Danielson, are just a fucking soon to be uh, again, retired house husband. I have no weaknesses, by the way, kryptonite. Yeah, that's what this was. Yes. I agree with you about playing up the rich thing. Tony should go license the fucking, remember the old poster, Poverty Sucks? Fucking do that. Yes. Give it to MJF. Play up that shit. Like you said, you don't have to be Ric Flair, but Buddy Rogers wasn't Ric Flair. It's a certain type of thing to give off. It wasn't, you know, I don't want to hear about MJF's emotions for a while. (laughs) I I really don't. I want him to piss other people off and they want to get to him. Not he's really upset. And then when somebody does get something over on MJF, the top heel champion, going into the pay-per-view, that's when he gets mad and loses his composure, when he's humiliated or embarrassed in some fashion, or something that means a lot, his b- brand new Burberry fucking suit or whatever, is, is has a bucket of yellow paint turned up on it, or whatever, he gets mad at the opponent that does it to him. He doesn't give the fans a freebie and and announce that an ex-girlfriend took heat off of him. And we didn't even have to pay to fucking see it. Um, and then, again, his promo, it he started out so mad and so violently angry. And your wife and kids, I hate you because you've had more head trauma than anybody and you're still in my sport. At least he said sport this week instead of business. But... I didn't, he was saying that wrestling was more important to Danielson than his family. And, you know, that was somehow an insult to MJF. And he, he's got to get the knock on Regal in worthless drug addicted mentor, William Regal. You're, you're worse. It went on long. It was the wrong, I thought, temperament for him to have. And Again, he should be saying, I've got everything and I'm going to deny you what you want most. And even, but maybe even more than your wife and kids, because you're a wrestling nerd and a mark for yourself, whatever. But that's where the, the Danielson came up because he said, I'm going to speak now directly, Brian Danielson to your kids. And and Brian says, if you do, I'll kick the shit out of you. And everybody (laughs) pops. And then MJF is on the floor, (laughs) but right outside the ring, and he turns and talks to the floor camera and talks directly to the kids. While Danielson watches. While Danielson (laughs) watched, and, you know. And he said, kids, I'm going to make sure Dada can't play with you again, can't pick you up again. 
And then finally, MJF works his way into the ring and says he's going to give Danielson, you know, the ultimate gift, early onset CT, boom, and Danielson nails him. But it was just, it was, I'm surprised, MJF is going to ruin his voice if he keeps doing this. And he, he, I don't know whether he's feeling like the burden is on him and this company to get the only serious heat, try to sell a pay-per-view and he's trying too hard or whatever, but he's got to pull some of it back for when it means something. Cause like you said, again, the, the Danielson thing, it, it's, it would, this would have meant so much more as Brian Danielson was coming off that hot single run a year and a half ago, instead of being buried in a group of, yeah. And it's not really uh, working well. So why pour more stuff in? Like, why not just run him over with a truck next week? It wouldn't matter. It's just not working really well, I don't think, this thing. and But now, I, I will give him this, Ben. Hold that thought. The, then when they had the fight, the pull apart and the break looses that was and good. the fans going nuts and the security hitting, that was the first really, really good part of this whole program. Why is it a one-hour match? Well, therein lies another problem. Because, again, Mark booking is we're going to have these two guys wrestle each other. And what kind of cool stipulation can we put on it? Have they ever had a match to this point yet? I'm not remembering one, but I'm, I don't know. I actually don't yeah. know. Well, just the fact that we can't. Uh, Mark books here I've got these two guys are going to go for the title. What kind of cool stipulation can we put on it that will make all the other people who live on message boards and fantasy book along with me think would be great? And they just jump to that. There's they haven't had them. Why is it an hour? Because they gave a reason because MJF wanted to prove he's the best, not Danielson or whatever the fuck, but it does. That's their mark reason. Bookers would say, okay, these are two of not only my top names, but also my, my most dependable guys because Danielson is rarely, you know, a, a, a headache or a problem for anybody, doesn't miss matches, doesn't get injured that much, thankfully. And MJF, except when he was going through his contract situation with Tony, always produces in his matches, doesn't no-show anything. Is you know, So these are two of my top performers, and especially MJF, I hope to have him for a while. So I'll figure out a way that we can get two or three major matches out of a program between them. First on pay-per-view, because it's first time ever, got to pay to see it. Second time, we might do it in a few months on television with a disputed finish to lead to another pay-per-view rematch blow-off, which might very well be a 60-minute Ironman match, marathon match, whatever they're calling it these days, because that way they could have set up some reason. MJF fucks him and retains in the first one. They get the rematch on TV finally after months of negotiations. And then they do the screwy goddamn dusty finish or whatever the fuck. I'm not talking about throwing the referee over the top rope, but some type of finish where 
because it's free television, nobody can claim they were cheated out of their money. Some kind of screwy finish where both guys claim that they won. And obviously you don't switch the title. So in the end, somehow the decision goes to MJF, but that opens up Danielson to be allowed a rematch and pick his fucking perfect stipulation of how he can't be denied or fucked around, which since he's the greatest in-ring technical mat wrestler, whatever the fuck in the world, there's no way that MJF can beat me more than once or multiple times in the same night, and he can't outlast me, so we'll have a one-hour match, most falls in an hour. That's my ultimate match and his true test, and then you switch the fucking belt if you want to because you've gotten almost a year out of that shit. But but how much time did how much time did you spend thinking about that before you just booked that out? Since you brought it up 45 seconds ago or whatever it was. Cuz it's that's not even difficult. Details in that would be more difficult, but the fucking outline is not that difficult. Anyway, speaking of being difficult, they had a 10-team tag team, a 10-tag team tag team battle royal. And the winner, as I said, gets in the tag team title match, the four-way at the pay-per-view, along with the champions, the guns, former champions who use their rematch clause, the acclaimed, and the winner of the battle royal we're going to have this week uh, in a four-way for no apparent reason. And... Again, look, when we talked about the Wrestling Observer Tag Team Awards, but look at the tag teams. Felix and Penthouse, the Jericho Appreciators, the Flunkies, not even the top guys, Dork Order, Ozzy Oldham, they flew all the way over from Australia, apparently, to get fucking thrown out of a battle royal in four minutes. Tony Nese and Arya Davari, Sean's brother, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, the Butcher and the Baker, the Puddin' Gang, and Top Flight. And again, that's not exactly a list of Demolition, Hard Foundation, Rockers, Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express, Road Warriors, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, Fabulous What... And there was no introduction. They just rang the bell and all jumped in and started fighting. And this will be the most exciting battle royal we see until next week on TV when we see another one. And this fucking thing went through two breaks. It would not, because I was fast forwarding, because come on, seriously. If you look at the teams that I just mentioned, okay, there are people that like the Lucha Brothers. Once you've seen it, you've seen it, but people like that. The, Jer the, the Jericho appreciating flunkies, no. The Dork Order, even if they do win, nobody thinks they're going to win the fucking belts. There should be competing for a tag team title. Ozzy Oldham, Nice and Davari we never see on television except in positions where they're ridiculed and beaten in seconds. The Butcher and the Baker, my God, if it was going to happen, it'd happened three years ago. The Puddin' Gang, again, same thing, ditto. Top Flight, okay, a lot of people like them. They're young and upcoming. Maybe they might win. Or Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. The only two guys that have actually not only have 
major league reputations in wrestling from being on national television previously and with larger companies. But in Jay's case, one of the current best workers and all-around performers on the roster, and Jeff, obviously, as we've talked about, the most experienced and has the most knowledge. So why couldn't we just have had Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal against the Lucha Brothers or Top Flight? Oh, that would have been good. And get somebody over instead of this fucking fiasco. And they had Zippy the Giant Pinhead saving, you know, Jeff from elimination, and he would catch the guys and throw them back. And uh, But again, literally the only serious talent in the match, why, why did you need the other seven teams if you're going to? And they put Jeff and Jay Lethal over. Because when you think about it, the guns, the gun boys, the acclaimed, whoever the fuck else out of this list, because there are no other teams, so I assume same teams are going to be in the Battle Royal next week. Who's going to lead that fucking fiasco on pay-per-view? I'm not saying that Jeff and, and Lethal are going to win the belts. I'm saying somebody has to be in there to make sure they don't all have a nervous breakdown. So that's probably why they did this. But again, why not have just a tag team match and get somebody over instead of everything that happens here is a mess or by heel tactics or random chance? Who got over in this? Anybody? I skip most of it just because the very na- the very nature of it. You look who's in the ring. Why am I supposed to care? Who's the star here? No one. No one. Not even the Young Bucks are in this match. They've got their own universe. They're in the Codyverse, doing their own thing on Rampage. I had no interest in seeing this. I don't care. You want to talk about a weak tag team division? Look at everyone in this match. And I don't care how talented someone's going to go. Oh, they're so talented. Look at the way everyone's been used. Do you care about any of these tag teams? You barely care about the champions and the people who just lost the belt, lost all their heat in the last few weeks. Or not heat, maybe mojo in the last few yes. weeks. Yes. So no, I didn't watch this and I didn't care. Yeah, I agree. You know what? Jared and Lethal versus Top Flight would have been great and this crowd would have eaten it up. Yeah, so, they, they, this crowd, they, they might have got people over the fucking rail. They were so emotional, but that would have been, and that would have, Again, that's what I'm saying. If you're not going to use Jay Lethal, I don't know why they're not using Jeff and Jay as a top tag team now for the very teaching moments that I've talked about. But if you're not going to use Jay Lethal as a single in a prominent position and you've got them teamed up, yes, them versus top flight not only would have torn the house down, but it would have taught those kids something. And or them... Well, I, I'm sure the Lucha Brothers think they know what they're doing and wouldn't learn anything. But, And I wouldn't want to do that to Jeff and poor Jay. But nevertheless, the big announcement that, that had been milked and announced that, that it was going to take place from Tony Khan took place with Rene Moxley-Good standing with Tony, who was wearing his big boy clothes. He looked like he was having his school picture taken that day, didn't he? I guess if he left his hairbrush somewhere. Well, but that but the, the kids like the funky hairdos and everything. He looks like he's a mess. What kid? He's close he's, to my age. He's a, no, he's still a kid to me, and to, apparently to Nick Khan too. But he, he's got a Michael Richards is doing his fucking hairstyling. <laughs> but he was wearing a suit, so 
But they had they had announced there was going to be a big announcement. Tony Khan was going to have a big announcement, and as we'll talk about, maybe that played a part in the shocking ratings revelation. Um, and we've again talked about it before that Tony needs to stay off camera. And Tony does is not a pleasing television or broadcast media personality, whatever the case. And I think somebody else has told him that also, because luckily. Renee goes to him for the big announcement and he gets out in without embarrassing himself or looking particularly awkward or out of place that it is a big announcement. And that's why he has one of the top talents on the AEW roster here to give it this man. And he just stepped right out and here comes Adam Cole. And so Tony's getting smarter. Now, it, that maybe hopefully won't be Adam Cole's role from now on. Hopefully he'll get back in the ring. But yes, Tony, you need somebody that's well-spoken on television to be able to make some of these revelations. It will make it sound bigger and more professional than if you do it. That's just the advice we've been giving you. So I'm glad you, somebody got you to follow it in this case. But the big announcement and what... You you had told me a couple of things that the fans may have been anticipating that they thought it might be, and I can't remember what you said. What did they think it was going to be? They didn't really think it was going to be this. Well, we heard from some people thought it was going to be a streaming service announcement of some sort. Either uh, AEW content will be available with the Ring of Honor thing or through Warner Brothers Discovery, just something like that. That seemed to be the biggest, uh, the most anticipated announcement. And then they always hope that Tony's going to announce that Every New Japan wrestler and employee has moved to Cleveland and will be appearing weekly. And they thought there might be, but nobody knew what it was, but they were anticipating or a big, you know, free agent signing. Who are those people even now? But the revelation by Adam Cole, who did a wonderful job at it, was there's going to be a new reality show about AEW after Dynamite, starting whenever the fuck. What is all access type of deal? Can any show expose the backstage machinations of the wrestling business more than dynamite itself, Brian, in your opinion? Well, we're about to find out. Suddenly I miss roads to the top. I was about to say, um, roads to the top was doing what about half the numbers as I recall, of whatever Dynamite was doing when Rhodes to the Top was on. I remember us making that comment at some point. Um, it, oh, God. I, I can't imagine what this is going to look like. This week's rating is a little different than it's been for a while. How many people are going to stay around after the end of Dynamite? How many people that are still there at the end are going to stay around for another hour of behind-the-scenes documentary work? Which do you think now that... You know, they've got this going on and, and Cody's not there to bring some semblance of professionalism into things. Are they just going to, the buckaroos just going to hand TBS the, the being the elite YouTube clip for the week? Here, here's our reality show. I mean, the, the rampage numbers are down to about where that might be cheaper for them in the long run. But so that's the new reality show after Dynamite coming soon. What was this? We have a big announcement. Let's go to Tony. Where was he in the hotel? Where was this filmed? 
It well, Renee was there and she'd been in the building earlier. Renee was dressed like Marilyn Monroe on top of the subway grate. What was going on there? <laughs> and then Adam Cole comes in the first time we've seen him with all of his hair down. He looks like a fucking cowardly lion to say nothing. Ish. A big announcement about nothing. He's still not wrestling. Oh no, he is coming back to wrestle actually. That is the one thing he said. He's coming back soon. Ah, But he said that before. I'm not really, I don't know. You liked this a lot better than I liked it. Well, no, I'm not saying was. I liked it. I'm saying that it what this was was better than what it would have been if Tony told us the same story. Now, can you deny that? I think, because I don't think Jim Ross would work right now, they should make Tony Schiavone the AEW on-air supervisor of some sort. You want to make it something that people aren't going to think it's going to be a gimmick and it's not going to be go. a heel turn. Something. Because I don't like Tony Schiavone on commentary, but I think he could be effective in a role like that if he showed some balls on camera once and not his real ones, but if he showed some balls on camera every now and yeah, then. Yeah, because I've seen his real ones and they're not that impressive. But what was the point of Tony Khan announcing this, that he has a big announcement and then handing it off? Why was this filmed away from the he fans? Because he can't speak enough English to do that properly. That's what I've seen. Why was this filmed away from the fans? And I think we can go back to that too. Yeah. I think a lot of people hung out with this show thinking that there was going to be some kind of major announcement. And it was no major announcement. This was a That's, tweet. This was a tweet well, it, for a segment. And as a matter of fact, and when we get to the ratings, we'll see that they he may have he may have found the fucking answer to his his woes. Just promise him something every week is going to be big. And at the end of the show, they found out it ain't big, but how many weeks are they going to work? Nevertheless, we will continue. We'll get to that in a second. Because after this major announcement that was milked until 9.45 Eastern time, 15 minutes before a show went off the air, we come to our main event. The main event, the highlight of this parade of terror going through the old Simmons mansion, the horribleness and awfulness of it will never be forgotten. And the most terrifying part was the main event that we got. We got John Plummer Moxley taking on Pizzeria Uno of the Dark Order in a single match as a main event of a nationally televised wrestling program. And at least by the time they did the entrances in the break and came back up, we only had eight minutes on the air because they knew what they were going to get anyway. And you got to give it to him. Old Fat Uno, he thinks he knows what he's doing, and he was trying his best, but it looked like they took some fat guy from the Golden Corral, dressed him up in a Halloween outfit, and told him to go out and beat the piss out of a homeless guy under an overpass. That, again, visually, is the opinion that anybody that doesn't already live in this bubble would have had if they see this. And it's embarrassing. And then it's, it's every... I know that, that they used to be the Super Smash Brothers, him and the other guy that I get. The other guy had some athleticism and looked decent, and I guess they ran him off. But this fucking fat clown, they've always been the indie-rific, wrestling-minded types. But Moxley, to me, is worse because he encourages this shit. And he encourages the worst instincts of the modern guys to go out and do the matches with the thumbtacks and the barbed wire and the light tubes. 
and the whole fucking, you know, deathmatch deal with the bank-addicted drug robber. He fucking fantasizes about that, Moxley does, and he leads these guys into thing, and it's okay. But this whole promotion, basically, what would it be like if, Brian, you love baseball. What would it be like if the New York Mets just because a lot of people liked some local bum in Brooklyn, if they put some fat guy on the team that couldn't play baseball and looked like shit and was 15 years older than the rest of the fucking guys on the team and just was pretty much embarrassing to look at, but yeah, a bunch of guys around town like him, so we'll put him on the team. What would you, as a baseball fan, think of that? Well, for the record, Dan Vogelback dropped a lot of weight, apparently, in the offseason. But no, it would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. The people who are on the Mets are, you would think, and as every Major League Baseball team is supposed to have, the very best that this franchise has to offer, which is the very best the nation has to offer. If you're a kid or a young person or anybody that hasn't seen baseball before, and are watching a game to decide whether you might be a fan of baseball in general or this team in particular, and you see the fucking fat guy, do you take it seriously or do you go, oh, I guess anybody can do this? Well, there have been gimmicks in the past. Bill Veck used to have, you know, he had the shortest baseball player in history. Like He did various things to fuck with the game just to draw a house, which pissed off a lot of the baseball purists, and there's a reason why you don't have a lot of that all over baseball. Well, we got it all over us here. And I'll tell you what, it don't take a lot of their gravy to go all over my plate. So anyway, Uno starts out biting Moxley while he's wearing a mask that covers his entire mouth. Um, And then Fat Ass took his jacket off. And his boobs are bigger than half the female roster and his ass is wide enough to show a drive-in movie on. Every time he ran across the ring hitting the ropes, I was afraid he's going to black both his eyes. Again, Moxley ripped the guy's mask. People are booing Moxley now, at least, so they've figured out he's the heel. At one point, fat-ass cannonballed Moxley off the top to the floor. (laughs) And I can only... I even felt sorry for Moxley at having that fucking sack of wheat landing on him from that height. And then he threw like a dozen fake punches at Moxley's head, and most of them missed plainly and obviously because they had a close-up of it. I don't know what, again, indie wrestlers. And, of course, then Moxley had to get juice on the guy, so he run his head into the stairs, and then he walked away to draw the attention of the camera and the crowd. And they almost had it on this one, but apparently old Pizzeria Uno is not an experienced juice maker either because he had so much tape on his goddamn blade i guess he was afraid that he was going to lose it that moxley runs his head into the stairs and then walks away to draw the camera and the attention of the people and the fans so you don't see uh uno get the fucking deal off of his wrist except how do i know he got it off his wrist because when moxley walks back over to him to pick him up there's like six or eight inches of loose tape hanging off his fucking wrist where he's just taking it out oh my god i don't know how you get six inches of loose tape from removing a blade anyway but while he then so then he distracts while 
fat ass gets his color, Moxley goes over and flips a bird to people on camera. And then at, at one point, Moxley gets on fat ass and cross faces him over and over. And the guy just stands up and picks Moxley up and hits a beautiful pile driver on him. And a second one, beautiful pile, and got a two count. What the fake? And then the guy's got so much juice that now Moxley gets the choke or the sleeper choke on him, and he's squeezing the blood out of the guy's head, so it's squirting out on the mat, and the referee stops it. Moxley won't let go, so now he's a full-fledged heel. And here comes the other dork orders in, and they get on Moxley, but Claudio and Useless come in and get in a fucking fight, but Hangnail Page's music plays. And he jumps on Moxley with about a thousand punches to the head, and Moxley doesn't sell them. And then, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Page pulls out of his pocket or somewhere a loops of barbed wire that he puts around his fist and punches Moxley in the head. How stupid is that? And well, that's Moxley bleeds, but Page's hand miraculously doesn't. I'm telling you, it's this indie wrestling fucking mental disease that they've all got. That they've lost track of goddamn common sense, logic, and reality. And they've they've fostered an audience that will watch this if it's silly and hokey and fake. Because that's what they think wrestling is supposed to be. And that's why that... The WWE for, you know, is still with the bloodline angle and story is still the most boring wrestling show I've ever seen right now. And they still can't win the fucking war because they won't get their heads out of their fucking indie-rific friends' asses. So there you go. So, and by the way, when he punches Moxley, everybody that's got this on DVR or whatever, slow-mo the punch. You could see it regular speed if you pay attention, but in slow motion, <laughs> Paige got this loop of barbed wire around his fist. And of course, he knows that if he makes any contact, not only is he going to rip Moxley open, but also he's going to stick his shit in his hand. So as he swings with his right hand, he puts his left hand up completely over Moxley's forehead and then punches with the barbed wire right fist straight over the top of Moxley's head, about three inches over the top, completely. Don't do shit you don't know how to do, baby. Like book so, a wrestling show. And, and so then Moxley's gushing blood by the time the thing's over. He gets 30 seconds of his juice on camera and they're off the air. Uh, your thoughts on this embarrassing, self-indulgent display of indie wrestling fucking outlaw bullshit. You know, the only thing I, I don't have a problem with, which may surprise you, is I don't have a problem with Evil Uno's look or weight, because there have been plenty of fat guys in wrestling, and I, and quite frankly, I want people to look like that. I rather have not you have... ever, even Abdullah, Abdullah oh, had on. enough weight that you could hurt, he could hurt you with it. But have you ever seen a bigger ass and a smaller set of shoulders? Well, that's besides the point. I'm okay with him uh -huh. looking different than everyone else. Uh, but different. I, but I agree with almost everything else you said. I didn't care about this match, and I tried to watch it, and it was terrible. Uh, Moxley, while some people think he's wrestler of the year, without any exaggeration, because we don't really see Bray Wyatt wrestle much, 
I think John Moxley, I would put, is the worst wrestler of the year. And I'm talking this year now and last year. His matches are terrible. Anyone who likes his matches, it's the Steve Austin kicking people in the corner thing. Yeah. They're willing to overlook the fact that he's a terrible wrestler, his matches make no sense, and he's unprofessional and does stuff like blade in front of the camera multiple times within months. No, no, no. It's the fucking Dark Order and the fucking Blackpool people with no one from Blackpool. No, I don't give a shit. And no, they've done nothing to make me give <laughs> no. a fuck about any of this. I don't want to. No. No. Okay. Rox well, is I, terrible. It just, it's just, it's incredible. It is the, you know, to steal from CM Punk, and here we are, the cult of Cornette. It's the cult of personality. People like the persona of Mox to the point where it mentally makes them think he's actually having good matches. It's insane. But how do you get that far to like that persona? He looks like a bum. He he looks like a goddamn somebody that would be sleeping in a sleeping bag under an overpass physically. His matches, as you said, have a lot of problems. And it's the same shit all the time. And you can't... You know, Austin, yes, Austin stomping the guy out of the mud hole in the corner looked a little fucking specious. But a lot of Austin shit looked good. And he connected with... A, a wide variety of people. Yeah, I can I can see that. But who wants to be this bum? Not I. Not All I. right. Well, I've been waiting to get to this because this is a Brian, what is the one overriding thing about AEW television that we have all come to accept as a fact? Good, bad, or indifferent. No matter what the program is like, they always lose viewers. And we, there have been programs in the past, a distant past, where we said, God damn, they almost had it. They made it an hour and a half. This was a major league looking show, and then it fell in the toilet. They lost viewers. They've had shows where we said, wow, there were some great moments in this show. And then there was some bad indie outlaw shit, too. They lost viewers. There have been many shows where we said, this was goddamn rotten. Almost start to fit. They lost viewers. No matter what, good, bad, or indifferent, as Mama Cornette used to say, the of, of recent memory, even the tribute show to Jay Briscoe lost viewers, but lost less viewers than normal. And this, it, it, in large part, was the worst TV show that they have ever presented on a Wednesday night in terms of no star power, rotten indie-style wrestling, nonsensical booking, a jobber battle royal, a human waterbed in the main event. But you would think, since it doesn't matter in the past, good, bad, or indifferent, they lose viewers, they would lose viewers. <laughs> this was the week they didn't lose viewers. Let's go through this. Help explain this to me, Lucy. I don't know how much I can help explain it to you, but let's go through it. This past week's AEW Dynamite, the average rating was 1,028,000 viewers. I'm writing it down. Segment 1, 8 to 8.15 p.m., and this has uh, been compiled by Brandon Thurston, WrestleNomics. Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler Yuta, including picture-in-picture, 1,083,000 viewers. 
And this, obviously, is where they start approximately every week uh, coming off the Big Bang. As we do this every week, we've seen them anywhere from 1 million 83, I remember one week was 1.2 something. But it's around that point, that's what they come off the Big Bang. Segment 2, 8.15 to 8.30 p.m. The final seven minutes of Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler Yuta, including the post-match. Evil Uno and Adam Page's backstage angle. And Ricky Starks' live promo beginning. And one would think that this would be a drastic drop, not only because it drastically drops every week, but also because of what was in the ring. 1,054,000 viewers. They only lost 29,000 on children's wrestling. Segment 3, 8.30 to 8.45 p.m. Chris Jericho's live promo and angle with Peter Avalon as well as the Jericho and Starks live. Well, it's all part of the same segment, really. A video and the acclaim versus the firm, including picture-in-picture, 1,069,000 viewers. They gained 15,000 back. When They've never done that before in the third quarter, have they? I don't want to say never. I think actually usually it's not it's not routine based on the trend line here in Brendan Thurston's chart. There is typically a slight uptick in segment three before things have typically lately gone radically downhill. And I shouldn't say radically, but downhill in segment four. Segment four, 845 to 9 p.m. The final eight minutes of the acclaim versus the firm and the post-match angle with the guns. The Christian Cage Jungle Boy series of angles in one angle. The Samoa Joe backstage angle. Ah, forgot. Was there an angle? I don't remember. Was there an angle? I think I think it was just it was a package that I saw his face popped up. And then by the time that I saw it, it was gone. As well as Soraya versus Sky Blue and the post-match with Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, and Britt Baker. 1,084,000 viewers. They picked them up again. Now they're right back where they started from at 8 o'clock. For almost, I can think, the first time I've ever heard that. 9 o'clock to 9.15, segment 5. Well, well, hold on. Hold on. Speculation. It already is starting in the minds of everyone that's listening to this. What the fuck's happened? It's not the quality of the TV show, obviously, as we've just gone over. What was the magic potion that happened this week? What's the difference? Some people have said, well, it's the first week that they weren't opposite the NBA. But they haven't been opposite the NBA for three fucking years. And some people, you just alluded to, said, well, it's the big announcement. Maybe they thought it would come at 9 o'clock. I agree. If they were waiting for the big announcement, and they didn't get it till 9.45, then you would get a pretty consistent audience throughout. But they've had big announcements they've teased before. And have actually, some of them have been bigger announcements. So how did this crummy, rotten show do what they have never been able to do before? Now you can continue. Segment 5, 9 to 9.15 p.m. Brian Danielson and MJF's live promo and angle. 1,051,000 viewers. 
And say that at the top of the nine o'clock hour, when they put the, the actual stars in the ring, and I don't think anybody can say that Danielson and MJF are not the two biggest names currently that were on this program. They were actually still so high, they lost people for the nine o'clock hour and still stayed over a million. Segment six, Jamie Hayter's backstage promo and the Revolution Tag Team Battle Royal with Picture in Picture, 982,000 viewers. And that's only a difference of uh, 69,000 people. So that that you just described kept the audience three times as well as the best of seven series matches with the Buckaroos and the Bermuda Triangle. Segment seven, 9.30 to 9.45 p.m. The Revolution Tag Team Battle Royal continues with Picture in Picture, as well as the House of Black's backstage promo and Tony Khan and Adam Cole's backstage promo, 933,000 viewers. And they again only lost 49,000 off of that. That's at the point where the show usually falls off a cliff, but 933,000 is stronger usually than their number anything after the first two quarters. And finally, segment eight, 9.45 to 10 p.m., Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt and the Guns backstage angle. John Moxley and Evil Uno entrances with picture in picture, and then the match. Moxley versus Uno with the post-match with Adam Page. 964,000 viewers. And they actually picked up another 31,000. Interesting. For, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, for that. For that. Interesting note here, the key demo, which we don't traditionally talk about here, but it's the thing advertisers look at. It began at 452,000. It ended at 452,000. Same exact thing. Just it held the audience in the key demo this week. So what about this rotten program did what no other rotten program they've ever done or no other good program they've ever done? What was it able to do to keep the majority of the audience? Did everybody's remote control batteries just go out at one fucking at the same time? Clearly, this means we need more Evil Uno and Soraya. That's what I'm afraid is going to happen. I'm afraid that Tony is going to look at this instead of as an anomaly and say, what in the world happened here, but we'll take it because it's positive. But he's actually going to think that this is a, a commentary from the viewers on they want to see more fucking... Well, that's Pizzeria Uno and Pockets. That's the problem. Tony looks for things to justify what he's doing. And this is coming off a week where, obviously, I was quite vocal, my thoughts on how Tony's doing right now running that show. But a lot of other people were, too. And a lot of other people talk about it being the worst dynamite. There have been more threads on more message boards than ever before about the booking holes, the logic holes, the booking problems about AEW than ever before, and Tony pays attention to all that stuff. This comes off him winning Booker of the Year. Well, he may read it, but he doesn't pay attention to it. He wins Booker of the Year, and Dave Meltzer surprisingly has to put an editorial saying, you guys got this wrong. He clearly wasn't the Booker of the Year. So I think the scary thing is you're looking at this and saying, see, my way is right. 
I could put out these terrible shows that I think are great. You're wrong. People came and watched it. But it doesn't change anything. It doesn't, that's the thing. It's the same thing as those pay-per-view numbers. You can have big pay-per-view numbers or good pay-per-view numbers and still be guilty of producing lackluster wrestling television shows and incoherent storylines. Those could all be true at the same time. Both of both of these things can be true. Yeah. And but I whoo. <laughs> I'm just I'm amazed and I'm trying to I'm trying to think what is going through Tony's mind now. He's had the, the How do I buy an NBA team and move all the games? But that that still can't, to me, I cannot reconcile that with being the reason because there's a large portion of the last few years that they've been free of NBA opposition, and this has never happened before. So we let's see what happens next week. Maybe there was a goddamn, you know, just a, 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 a outbreak of some kind of contagious disease we didn't hear about and everybody was confined to their homes in a certain section of the country they had to watch something speaking of having to watch something the next thing we've got to watch is this weekend because the big pay-per-view is upon us and at least it's a pay-per-view unlike the wwe programming over on the cock should we i'm afraid because again I just watched their TV show and I still don't know all the matches and I can't remember some of the matches they've already announced. Uh, and Sockface does it at 116 miles an hour. So should we briefly look at the lineup they have announced so far? Okay, let's go through this. And I'm looking right now, someone sent me something about a change to the cards. So we'll see what they have. According to Wikipedia... Wait, wait, wait a minute. Again, we can't just go to AEW.com or whatever, and there right in, on the home page is not the big lineup for the pay-per-view that they're selling in <laughs> well, I made six the, days. I made the mistake once again of going to AEW.com, and it's for AEW Asia Pacific, focused on the future of real estate. So let me go to oh. AEW's actual AEW Wrestling. And well, then that's redundant, because it would only wrestling. be AE Wrestling. Here's the Rampage results. Oh, Keith Lee's back. He's on Rampage. Lance Archer's back. Lance Archer's on Rampage. How come we don't see any of these people? But anyway. Because we, along with everybody else, don't watch Rampage. Where is it? Sunday, March 5th. Here we go. I'm going to click on Revolution, and this is for Ticketmaster. All right. I don't need to buy tickets. Where do I find the card? Events. And then I have upcoming events here. They're going to be at the Cow Palace. There are dates on here. There are dates. March 5th, Revolution. I'm going to click the event. And apparently all I can do is buy tickets. Okay. (laughs) Is there nothing on the... the, When you go to the website that says, Big Pay-Per-View this weekend, here's the matches. No. No, actually there isn't. Uh, The first thing that pops up are the Rampage results. The first story on the latest news is photos, the best of AEW Rampage for February 24th. And then under that, the next story is the AEW Rampage results for February 24th. And before that is the AEW Rampage preview for February 24th. 
and this uh, what, what about the revolution you say you want a revolution we'll sell it to you here's what's on the menu what about that well, hold on let's go to watch maybe it's under watch how to watch AEW revolution well no this just takes you to different streaming partners so it's not that yeah i don't know about this yeah, I don't think they have the uh, card up on the website. So I'm going to go back to Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Wikipedia, if you don't mind. Jim, the first match listed for the World Trios Tag Team Titles, the Elite of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy. Well, there you go. If the pay-per-view is another five-hour job, there's 30 minutes that we can easily skip. Come on, you're not intrigued to see what will happen when the Young Bucks and the House of Black finally meet? No, if Buddy was wrestling some serious opponent in a single match, I would watch again because I was impressed with Buddy's potential. The the one time I got to see him have a singles match, uh, the rest of the clowns I could give two shits about. Jim, the next match for the AEW Women's World Championship. <sighs> Jamie Hayter, the champion, defends against Soraya and Ruby Soho in a three-way match. Well, and again, it's a three-way, whether it's men or women, or even a mixture. Uh, it's still going to be the shits because it's not going to make any sense, but we will watch to see whether or not you know, one of the girls gets dropped on her fucking head, I guess. That's the thing that's going on lately. Here's what I predict happens. Jamie Hayter works with Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho works with Soraya. Jamie Hayter doesn't have to worry about killing Soraya. <laughs> that's what that is. In a singles match... By mutual agreement, I'm sure that will take place. In a singles match, and this is the one where there was a card change, it is now the Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside. Originally, it was everyone is banned from ringside. Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. Okay, well, why would they change that verbiage unless they were going to have someone that's not associated with the Jericho Appreciation Society come down on behalf of the Jericho Appreciation Society? Yeah. Certainly. I'd, and also, is, is Jericho going to be that energetic and chipper as he was about his performance this past week on television if he's coming into this to lose two straight to ricky stark so we pretty much know what's going to happen it's going to yeah. be a fucking screw finish and ricky's going to get fucked is action andretti going to turn on ricky or is the big show going to come out and turn on ricky we will find can out they, can they find action andretti for the aew tnt championship jim samoa joe the champion defense against the former champion wardlow <sighs> Boy, I would love to want to see this. And they've just been so bleh with uh, Wardlow, and it's been so aimless and pointless. I love Samoa Joe, and I'm a big fan of his. I'd love to see him working with somebody he could have a great match with because the story is never there in this booking environment. So, uh, I mean, it'll probably be better than some things we've seen, but I, I don't know... I don't know whether Wardlow's up to working with another big beast like Joe from what we've seen before. Joe tries, but Wardlow is still green. 
Uh, and and if the build had made people rabid to see this, they would overlook some of the flaws. I'm not holding out a lot of hope. You know, at this point, I'd rather see Wardlow against Peter Avalon than against Samoa Joe. I'd rather see him against guys like that and just kill yeah, him. Yeah, but get the powerbomb symphony again. That was, you know, but that was, that was working. So, of course, they cut that off. In a Texas death match, John Moxley takes on Hangman Adam Page. Well, again, they got a Texas death match. And where are they, by the way? They're in California. They'll be at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Oh, no, excuse me, the Chase Center oh. in San Francisco. Yeah, they're switching yeah. buildings. because, But they at least they were in Texas to have a Texas death match or a Texas tornado match. Last time they had a Texas death match because they were in Texas. Now they're in California, so they're having a Texas death match. But Adam they set Page. it up in Texas. But they set it up in Texas. Well, but also, well, and, and nobody in Texas popped. Remember that? When Moxley said, in Texas, Texas death. Ready, ready. Page is billed as a cowboy from rural Virginia, but they got to have a Texas death match because it fulfills Plummer Moxley's fantasies of the blood and the blade and the violence and all the pretend shit that he does to imagine that he's a tough guy when in reality he's in another life would be working at the fucking Valvoline. In a four-way match for the World Tag Team Championship, the champions, the guns, Austin and Colton versus the former champions he acclaimed, Anthony Bowens and Max Caster versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett <laughs> versus the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal winners, whoever they may be. And, and now we got a four-way, and it's going to be, I mentioned it earlier, they probably put Jeff and Jay in there to have somebody to direct traffic amongst what's potentially going to be three really green fucking tag teams trying to all do a bunch of shit to each other. And it's not going to make any sense, and... They probably ain't going to switch the belts because then it would start getting ridiculous. And in the main event, for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, in a 60-minute Ironman match, the champion, MJF, defends against Brian Danielson. You know, we talked earlier in the show about you know, regardless of the build or what they've done with Danielson going into this or whatever, Danielson and Brian Danielson, I'm sure, is fully behind the idea of having a 60-minute match, because, and he's so good at that type of thing, and I'm sure he will put together something that's fabulous, and he's got a great dance partner with a mind in MJF who will have smart suggestions and know how to follow. But it, again, we talked about the stipulation. It's to start with that. And then also, you know, it, probably for the base audience who, uh, well, we're getting a real bang for our buck. It'll be, you know, instant gratification. But what do you come back with after that? If they ever wanted to have this match again, what if it does fuck up and draw? You know, that's, I think they put uh, an extra burden on themselves and not even that they're going to go an hour Broadway where people wouldn't know that ahead of time, but they know how long it's going to be, which kind of, I mean, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart in Los Angeles, you know, they, they had a heck of a match and they were two of the best in the business, but 
it was a big city crowd and they still, they knew ahead of time. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm looking forward to it and it sounds like it's going to be by far the best thing on the show. I'm just wondering if they unnecessarily handicap themselves going in the first time with, you know, uh, we're going to do an hour and the whole nine yards. But we'll find out. I'm sure it'll be it'll be fun for the audience. Like they started the Saturday pay-per-view trend for wrestling. Now they're on Sundays and WWE took Saturdays. Well, wild card, bitches. See, that's what it is. Indeed. And I'll tell you what they ought to do at the end of the 60 minutes, whatever the final tally on the falls is, whatever the case and there, and I, I believe, and I predict that MJF will retain. But then suddenly blackout, and then thunder and lightning, and then snow, and then a plague of locusts, and then it rains frogs, oh. and then they wheel out onto the stage a box. And then I suddenly, thought you were building up Sting for a second there. No, no, no. It's going to be even better. And besides, Sting never got frogs. <laughs> and then, oh, when you get, you're a big deal when you get to frogs, baby. And then out of the box bursts MJF's next opponent for the world title, and and attacks. And there you go. And and you're made. The next pay per view will sell out because it doesn't matter who it is. Who is because it? everybody knows no, it doesn't matter. Oh, it matters. Everybody knows that anybody that comes out of a box gets over. And I'll tell you something else. Anything that comes out of your box will get over with you. And I'm... T- what's... what's Why did you phrase it like that? Well, because it, it will. Because your own personal box of awesome arrives every month from our friends over at Bespoke Post. When that happens, it's just... It's time for, for giggling and joy and merriment and frivolity. You'll be giggling like a schoolgirl with a shiny new vibrator every time that you break into the box of awesome that comes to your door, courtesy, as I said, of our friends at Bespoke Post and at boxofawesome.com. Because these items, amazing pieces of workmanship and craftsmanship, are all curated by hand from small businesses that you might never have heard of otherwise, and but they make these incredible products that the box of awesome people find and curate for you. I love that word. And they put them in your boxes and off they come to you every month. They release new boxes across a ton of different categories. So what you do is you just go to boxofawesome.com and you take a quiz to tell them what you're interested. They don't want to send you stuff you're not interested in. Well, they'd never do that. They've got knives and travel essentials and craftsmanship galore as a matter of fact i got i'll have you know i got the the information on it right here the weekender i remember yes well i told you about it but some of the folks might not know a versatile bag by line of trade and it is branded or or the the inspiration came from the design rather came from the bags that were once used by stonemasons carrying building tools it's got the heavy duty canvas the leather handles and straps a reinforced metal frame. Stacy stole it for her painting supplies when she goes out in the yard to do the wildlife. 
And you, too, can have bags and things that you can put stuff in and knives that you can cut shit with and every other kind of thing in the world. I'm telling you, they got gadgets and carnivores and frontiers. You take that quiz at boxofawesome.com and then a new box valued at around $70 with you paying a mere fraction of that. You will pay no more than 16 eighths of the value of this box. And it'll come to you, and you support the small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand. Free to sign up. You can skip a month, cancel any time. What a deal it is. And boy, I'll tell you, if you have you ever wanted to get into anybody else's box and see what was there? Well, in, ter- now in it's, terms it's, of the box of awesome, I'm very happy with what the wonderful people at Beast well, Post send to my house that we open up, and it's our own private awesome. Yeah, you always want to know what's in somebody else's box or any box. Well, you're the guy who thinks anything in any box gets over, so I guess it's not a surprise that this is your mindset. Well, yes, and besides that, if you already know what's in your box, so that that kind of eliminates the surprise, unless it's a box of awesome where you don't exactly know, but you pretty well know, and you think it's something you're interested in, but it doesn't know how it, that it will apply, but nevertheless. So whose box do you want to look at? I want to look at at, at everybody's box because I'm a curious kind of guy. I'm all, I'm always wanting to look at people's boxes and see what's there. And right now, folks, you can get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the code DRIVE at checkout for that 20% off. You're saving a lot of moolah, a lot of bread. A lot of De Niro, a lot of Robert De Niro, boxofawesome.com, code DRIVE for 20% off your first boxofawesome.com. Just look in your box and see see what you pull out of your box. You'll be amazed. That's right, Box of Awesome. And our friends at Beast Post. Here's something else now. Here's an update. Uh, And I will tell the folks, through the miracle of editing, you don't know this. But we took a break here. In the program several mo- minutes ago for just a few minutes because we were having connection issues. And I looked over my shoulder out the front window of the office here, and there was that goddamn same Spectrum truck with the same ladder up on the same pole in the same place on my neighbor's property line over there that I had referred to previously. It was here a few days ago. Yeah, you said they left him there. It looks like they came back to get him. Apparently, they came back to get him, but while they were getting him, maybe his his legs were wrapped up in the cables. We were having connectivity issues. So we we took a break, and then you called me back, and everything, the the truck is gone. The guy's out of the tree now. Everybody's gone. And I thought, well, maybe they came back to pick him up and fix a couple of things. Well, everything will be fine now. So I did the speed test right before you called me back. And I found that now, remember before they had improved me, they had I had submerged past 450 in the MIGs. Those MIGs that we were talking about. Megabytes or MEGs, yes. Yes. Well, I'll have you know that now that they've come out and finished whatever it was they were doing, I just did my speed test, and I am all the way back to 137 MIGs. 
man, I didn't want to say anything, but when we started up again, you still sounded like shit. I mean, not as bad as you did when I stopped it before. But what the fuck? You finally got... Uh-huh. I'm mad and I'm not even there. Spectrum giveth and Spectrum taketh away. Now, how does that happen? Because let's stop. You have to make a phone call or something about this. Because now oh, I, can't, I can't talk to these people. No, that's where Stacy gets mad constantly. She's like, "Have them cops? I'm not having them in my house again. I'm not going going through this again. They don't know how their own shit works. They can't fix anything. Every time they come, it makes it worse." This so, is the first time this has happened. Is there a chance that she's getting your internet speed, or whoever's next door is getting your internet speed? The, the the people next door? If he was well, fiddling the, with the something house, up there. Technically, the house that they're in front of is empty right now. Oh. Oh. But uh, I don't know who, who gets service off of that pole. It could be the guy next to me. And, and uh, I don't know. Do you think I need to go and knock on his door and ask him if he's got my fucking internet? You should ask you him know, if he has internet when, problems. The fact that it went up to 400 finally. The fact that it finally got there. And then all of a sudden, you're right back to where you were. We have no explanation. That would drive me crazy. And it pissed me. Remember when Hotchkiss was building the new site, and I said, get me extra server, and I'll put some in the closet in the garage just in case we need some. Well, do you think that that, that my next-door neighbor is, is hoarding up my internet? I don't know. We may have to get you on satellite. <sighs> anyway, uh, so that's, that's the update. So what, what we're going to do... <laughs> Because we've still got some programming to get to. We're going to hop into SmackDown here in a second and give the counterpoint to this thing for the week's bad wrestling and close this thing up before I get completely knocked off the air and, and we'll, we'll go in-depth on the Hogan-Andre Rivals program that we had rescheduled for this program for your show on the drive-thru this week along with a ton of other questions from the cult of Cornette and news and research and weather and sports all right all right all right well then what are you doing over there at the arcadian vanguard end of things this fine and summer week oh well thank you for that question mr curiosity another fine week on the arcadian vanguard podcast network get information about all our boxes on twitter at super podcasts or on facebook at facebook.com slash arcadian vanguard a few notes of course the Wrestling News! Each and every day, your free daily wrestling newscast. No opinion, no conjecture, no star ratings, just actual news. Get it today at thewrestlingnews.com directly or find Arcadian Vanguard's The Wrestling News wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Only if you can handle the truth. If you can't handle the truth, do not listen to the wrestling news. And of course, if you are a member of the new Cult of Cornet, the official Cult of Cornet Facebook group, you will see the wrestling news posted there each and every morning. So you'll get your wrestling news right there. Also want to make mention, Shut Up and Wrestle with Brian Solomon. This week's guest, Marcus Buff Bagwell. Hear this interview, a very interesting one, at suawpod.com. Or look for Shut Up and Wrestle with Brian Solomon wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And of course, the 605 Super Podcast, The Mothership! Good, that's in the spirit. That's how I feel today. Strengthen my voice. Go through the fucking archive. 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mothership!
That was yeah, thanks, Moxley. Hey, what? Jeez, you have to have to be profane and curse. Turn the air blue with your vile language, your potty mouth. Oh, please, half the curses I hear are words you invented. Well, in that case, then I'm I'm calling Stephen P. New about my trademarks because you're using them on me. You're calling them on me. Well, you know, you know, you're using them. Just wait till my back is turned. <laughs> Speaking of my back being turned, I almost turned my back on SmackDown this week, but I've heard they were in Evansville, my old second hometown, my long lost stomping grounds. Every Wednesday night at the Coliseum on Court Street. Boy, howdy. What a fun. Actually, it was fun. And you actually saw some good wrestling. But here we were for SmackDown, which has nothing to do with good wrestling. And again, you see that they start getting kind of thin when Roman Reigns wasn't on this program. But now they they can't, because of the nature of the story, have all the members of the bloodline together talking, because uh, Jay's still being the the crow sting and, you know, hanging out in the arena and not really talking to his brother, except on live national television. So it, they're milking the that Jay and Jimmy are going to talk to each other as the main event tonight. They're actually going to talk to each other out in front of God and everybody. And, you know, again, normally I'd say, well, yeah, fuck, this fucking guy, he keeps leaving messages for his brother, but the only time he sees his brother is on live TV when they're having a wrestling match or a fucking interview, he comes in from another place. But it's it's still, it's so good, and people are interested, so I'll, I'll grade on the curve. And, but that was the storyline running through the, the program. But the opening match... I actually watched it or tried to watch it again. Brown strong man and ricochet and old mosh pit Jones. Get out of the way for old mosh pit Jones of poor. If Moss, if they're still going to call him madcap, we can't take him seriously. The guy looks fucking great. And we talked about this last week and they, they were in a six man tag with Gunther and his Imperium stooges of Marcel and Marceau. And I said, I'm I'm wanting to see Moss advance because he has so much potential, and I love Gunther, so I'm going to watch this. And also, they got to the opening bell only eight minutes into the show, so that was a positive. But then poor, poor Moss, he gets in there with uh, Da Vinci, and he got he got off. They tried to do a running spot, and Moss got off kilter and couldn't get it back i bet it would have been a good spot but he got off balance and they needed to just grab a hold and slow down for a second but when ricochet got in he was doing all the flipping but at least their shit was sharp and uh oh what is the other guy's name it's da vinci and kaiser wilhelm that's what it is he looks good, but again, they've been presented as the the flunkies that stand there with their hands behind their back, and you know you can see them if they were if they had the feather and the hat and the fucking trombone, they'd be doot 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 when the fucking king comes in. But they went to the break; they hadn't gone three minutes yet, and they went to the break after a heel a heat spot where all three of the heels stopped Ricochet so he could sell. Boom. 
And when they come back, they're already getting the heat on Ricochet, and finally Gunther gets in, and and again he turns the not only the energy level but the attention factor up. Anytime he gets in the ring, he's the the guy for that side. But within seconds, you know, Ricochet hits a hot tag to Brown, and here comes the strong man. Big comeback on the Stooges, and Gunther gets tagged in behind his back, but takes over on. Brown uh, barely because they've got this thing where now Gunther, when he's facing off with Strongman, he'll chop Strongman and he won't sell it. Then he'll chop Gunther. That's Gunther's thing, and Gunther will at least register and sell facially. And I, I don't care how big he is, he needs fucking stagger and wince. But anyway, finally, Moss tagged himself back in, and Gunther hit him with a chop, a German suplex, a clothesline, and a powerbomb, and beat him one, two, three. And they went, maybe they went four minutes on the other side of the break. So we each guy got basically a minute in the match. And then Drew McIntyre had come out in the entranceway during the match to stare at Gunther, and suddenly, as he's still staring at Gunther, the Vikings attacked him in the aisleway, and here came Seamus and saved him, and then Strongman and Ricochet got involved in it. And the Vikings got booted into the front row, and all the baby faces celebrated. There you have it. What'd you think? You know, I like Imperium a lot, especially just uh, Gunther is the leading Kaiser as the main stooge because he can make the faces and he can actually do some stuff in the ring. Not that the other guy can't, but the other guy's more of a stone face than Kaiser, who's really hamming it up, but it works. They feel like a main event thing because of Gunther. Ricochet and Strowman have been okay as a tag team. Moss, they're trying to make it work. Whether it is or isn't, <laughs> I don't know. As soon as you see the fucking Vikings... But how how hard are they trying to make it work when they just fucking have a guy snatch him and hit, hit it about three moves on him and beat him? Boom. They're trying every to make week. It WWE style. They give him a girl for no reason. <sighs> was she out? She wasn't even out there with him this week. No, thankfully. Did something happen? Did they say anything happened on commentary? I missed it. I don't know. I th maybe she missed her bus. I'm not sure. But you said the main thing. When I was watching this, you hit the main word depth. They have no depth right now. And. You know, it's going to be interesting because I was thinking about it, not to take this completely away from this match, but I was thinking about it recently. AEW, not that it's a perfect comparison, but they're almost getting to the point now, a few years in, where they risk running into what Ann Gunkel ran into, where you can't access any more talent. Yeah. I mean, there's always someone. I don't mean any more talent, but top tier main event level talent, people that are ready for that spot. There aren't going to be Halls and Nashes. We just watched that NWO biography that you could just snatch up, put on your show, and instantly everything feels bigger. Because AEW Dynamite today isn't where Nitro was before all that happened. And I think the depth is an issue for both companies. And with WWE, they have two separate shows. And, you know, again, I, you don't want guys doing angles on two shows a week. That's overdoing it. but. It all comes back to that roster split because there's a lot of stuff that just you see it, you watch it. Does it register at all? For me, it doesn't. 
And this match sadly falls under that umbrella. Well, and they've wrung a lot of passion out of everything. Okay, the next segment, uh, there's Rey Mysterio and old Pablo Escobar and Dominic and Rhea Ripley in the back. This I like. Well, but at the same time, what really, everybody was just calmly, uh, you know, Escobar said he respects Ray and Ray says feelings mutual, but then Dominic comes in and he's kind of a smart ass and Escobar says, well, I'll teach you, but Rhea steps in front of him. But everybody's just going through the motions with this stuff to me. I'm looking for some aggression, some conflict. It's just they're reciting the verbiage and trying not to. I, I think sometimes, and I've I've heard them do this, up there, they don't want guys to overact. Well, that horse has left the barn, right? Especially in some case, like with Seth Franklin Rollins. They don't overact, be natural. Well, natural being, yeah, that's that's not an argument that I want to watch between people. I want to see the fucking argument where they're throwing shit down and fucking pulling their watch off. That's the fucking argument I want to see. So, I, you know, it's just is, it kind of, you know. Bleh. It's the mini bloodline. In terms of like a mini storyline that's going on week after week after week, and now it's beyond wrestling matches. There are backstage segments. There are videos on YouTube of family arrests and stuff. It's become that little mini. Like I say, bloodline just because it's a multi-week, multi-year at this point storyline that keeps playing out. It's the same thing with this one, and I'm not completely sick of it. And part of it's because of how good I think Dominic and Rhea, but Dominic's the surprising one, have been in their roles and. You know what? If they're going to try something new with the head of the Lucha suits, I want to see what it is. It's a little different. I'm curious. I, I want to see here. Ray Mysterio needs to bring his personal attorney out and show the new will that he has made that has written Dominic completely out of it. See, that's the move. If it was real life, you're out of my will. Yeah. That changes everything. That's what you get. All right. So anyway, um, you know, and again, the bloodline was in the back, and uh, you know, the, Jimmy is saying, "Ah, oh, things just feel different." And Paul tells Solo, "You stay in the back with me, <laughs> keep an eye on me, and Jimmy, you go out in the ring later on and handle your brother Jay." So that's the way they're going to play that. And then whatever poor L.A. Knight has done to deserve his fate here in this company he comes the ring he cuts a promo and it sounds good i came here to make money and win titles and you do that by going to wrestlemania well you can't have an la wrestlemania without la night and people kind of start getting yeah 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 and suddenly the new day music and they're out laughing joking (laughs) no the Cheerio vomit colors and they're making funny faces or pulling faces as William Regal would say, and they make it silly. And LA Knight's trying to tell them off by basically, yeah, well, you guys are a fucking bunch of jack offs or whatever stating the obvious, but the new day, you can't make these guys mad. They just want to joke. So I fast forwarded through the rest of the promo. Cause I knew what was going to happen. There's going to be a match with one of them and son of a gun. Wouldn't you know who won the pony? L.A. Knight against Kofi Kingston. 
And match number two started at 37 minutes into the program, by the way, with seven minutes so far of actual wrestling. And they went about five minutes, and it was very athletic. I'm a fan of L.A. Knight's work. I can't stand the new day. And it's not even the people in it. that um, Xavier Woods was Consequences Creed in TNA. He was a great kid. Loved him then. I just don't, all the, the trombones and the lollipops and the fucking unicorns and the cheery and the, I just don't want to see any of it. So I, I fucking don't give a shit. And they, at least they got about nine minutes or so of match on the air. This, I think, may have been the longest match in recent history on television from either, well, definitely WWE. And then the finish is L.A. Knight does his leap to the top from the from the mat to do the suplex throw on Kingston. But Kingston ducks under it and as L.A. Knight lands on the top rope with both feet, which is exceptionally athletic, by the way, the numbnuts partner blows the trombone in his face to distract him, causing him to crotch himself on the top rope, and then Kofi Kingston hits a kick on him. One, two, three. He can't even beat Kofi Kingston. He just got beat flatter than fucking a plate full of piss by Bray Wyatt and his cousin Howdy Doody or whatever. He was made to be a male model or male model manager. Now he they let him get his name back, and he he can't even beat Kofi fucking Kingston to just try to get the guy over at the start. So then he could do some jobs. I don't. What do you? I don't know. I would like AEW to sign him, and basically just do exactly what WWE's doing with him for the first half of every segment he's in. He comes out there every. It starts. This is what makes it so disappointing. It always starts so promising. He gets on the mic, he starts doing a good promo, the people start reacting on their own to him, this guy's been treated like shit, they're still reacting, everything's going good, you're getting into him, and then the person you least want to see next will come out <laughs> <laughs> and root it. He goes from Bray Wyatt to this, again, New Day, very talented. Kofi Kingston's been there a very long time, talented guy. Big E, who's out of action, talented guy. I've never really seen a good match with the other guy. I'm not saying he hasn't had him, but because I hate the gimmick so much, it just it would fit yeah. it would fit on a male glow. You know what I mean? Like it just it's not yes. for me. It's not for me. So uh that's the problem. LA Knight getting over, doing a good job. Looks like a wrestler. Any you know, if he walked into a place and said I'm a professional wrestler, it's not an outrageous thing. <laughs> it's not an outrageous thing at all. <laughs> So, I, at this point, I wonder if they're doing it just to fuck with us. I'm not exactly sure, but it makes no sense. He's really good, and the people are reacting to him despite all of this, despite everything that's happened. Imagine if he actually ever got to finish his fucking promo. But Right? It's the first half of every segment. It's like, yeah, yeah this is great. Yeah. Never ends well. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of finishing a promo, so Charlotte is the top of the nine o'clock hour. She actually got, I think about eight fifty-seven, a little early, but we had some star power coming out. And of course it's about Rhea Ripley and WrestleMania. 
And Charlotte comes out and says she can't wait to hear what Rhea Ripley has to say to my face. Come on out. Nobody comes. Come on, it's okay to be scared. But here comes Dominic. And also with no music, which was refreshing. Yes. I'm not going to let you run down mommy. And, you know, Dominic, again, he's always, he's better in a live environment than in the, the pre-tapes in the back, right? To me, because not only does he have the natural sliminess and he's got the shithead heat, but he feels a little more, feeds a little more maybe off of the people there around him booing him. He, he starts, he comes out of it a little bit more. He's very just kind of canned and rehearsed in the, uh, I mean, it's not like he's a goddamn Roddy Piper right now to begin with. He is getting by on uh, sometimes a lot of his slimy heat factor, but he's getting so much better. And I think he's better in front of people. But anyway, he runs People down. love booing him. They yes. love booing him. They, they, they enjoy telling him what a piece of shit he is. And Dominic tells Charlotte what a piece of shit she is. And then Charlotte says, I've got a Latino man at home that calls me mommy with a much thicker accent. And and everybody popped at that because that was true. They've heard Andre try to speak English. <laughs> but this was, it was again, it was another long, dramatic WWE style performance where nobody is wanting to act mad. They want to have insincere sly backhanded, you know, knocks at each other and and exchange those. But finally, Charlotte threatens to beat up Dominic, and that's when Rhea comes out. Uh, okay, here we go. And she goes face-to-face -face with Charlotte, and Dominic pulls her back, and she comes back again, and, he, and, and they leave, and nothing happens. So, okay. All right, I guess. What do you think? I mean, I like... I'm still not digging Charlotte as a babyface. I'll start by saying that. You know what? I, you laughed at me when I said, well, she was in South Carolina. But have you noticed ever she yeah. was a raven babyface in South Carolina and they brought the house down? But she doesn't really enjoy being a happy, peppy, pleasant person. And I don't think the fans are really totally... Like, oh, we love you. It's like, oh, it's Charlotte, but not like, oh, I want to have your well, children and live live with you my life. That's the thing. For the younger listeners, there used to be a wrestler years ago uh, named Ric Flair. He's actually Charlotte's dad. <laughs> and he was a heel, and the fans turned him because he became such an icon, and he was so good at what he did, and he was the coolest fucking wrestler on TV that they couldn't boo him. This is the opposite of that. The fans didn't have that kind of take the Charlotte, so it feels to me kind of forced, and she's so good as a bitchy heel. Yeah. Maybe the best. So to me, this isn't the best way to use her. And I don't think it's taking. And I think South Carolina gave us all false hope. Imagine Blair if that show was in, imagine if that was in North Carolina, what it would have been. Woo! <laughs> but anyway, so Shayna Baszler with Lousy Rousey in her corner faced Natalia, and I remind you now that the bell rings for match number three, an hour and 14 minutes into the show with 16 minutes of wrestling so far, and they went three minutes, and Shayna armbarred her, and she tapped out. So thanks for coming, you guys. What do you think of Ronda here? 
I mean, they came out to Rhonda's music. Rhonda's at ringside. She seems to be more into this than anything else she's done there. Working as a ringside coach for Shayna <laughs> Baszler. Any thoughts? Um, no. <laughs> no, I mean, who was it that said, were we talking about it? Was it even on the earlier part of this marathon show that a lot of people have just Ronda Rousey? Yeah, I think it was the last show we did last week. A lot of people have just, you know, Ronda Rousey doesn't have the oomph. Maybe, you know, if you're, if you go to see one live WWE event per year or even less than that, and you see, and her music comes on and it's Joan Jett. Okay. But I mean, you would have thought from her first year in the company, what 2018 was it? 19, whatever it was. You would have thought that she would be really on top megastar level of, in the eyes of the people for good off of that. But what she's done since she's been back, people are kind of like, eh. I mean, is it just me? No. But people have done that because she's kind of seemed like she's doing that. Yeah. Maybe they told her to fucking light an ass, fire under her ass or something. Light an ass. Or light an ass under her fire. And then Nikki ass ran out on fire. People thought Harley Race was in the building. Speaking of fire, coming up next, everybody wanted to, they're on Twitter already, they've been asking since the thing aired, what did you think, Jim Cornette, about the Firefly Funhouse? I don't understand what they're fucking doing. Because nothing sits long enough to goddamn actually even finish a sentence, make a point, whatever. There's colors, there's cartoons, there's unseen kids cheering. It's a children's show, but then there's a, a, a clip of action figures being held with hands, unseen people fighting with the, and then Bray Wyatt's watching video of himself with wah-wah sound effects, but then they're trying to do a news show, Funhouse News, but the rabbit puppet. What sense does any of this make, I wrote? How is this creative when it doesn't... And then the game show, can you keep a secret? But nobody ever tells us whether they can or not or what the secret is. Strange sound effects and video effects cutting back and forth and gibberish and it's over. What what are they teasing us to find out? What uh, help me. There is no Oz. This is just a man back here. I don't know they're not teasing anything. They don't know where they're going with this crap. This is exactly what I knew would happen. We're back to where we were with this guy. I think he's a talented guy. Whatever he's trying to say, and I don't know what it is, and quite frankly, no one knows what it is. He doesn't know what it is. Whatever it is, it has a great look. He should go sell it to Adult Swim. It doesn't belong here, and it's not good. And this is like where the argument, if someone sells merch, does it justify this? Like David Lynch, even though that could be kind of airy at times, it goes somewhere. It has an ending. Well, it doesn't actually have an ending. <laughs> the point of the matter is this is just ridiculous. It looks cool. If it was somewhere else, I, I, what do you want me to say? This is exactly what I knew I, would happen. 
everything since he's come back has been exactly what people are like, oh, it's going to be different this time. No Vince. It's the same this time. I, w- I want to hear the pitch. I want to hear him explain to the writers or the producers, whoever, well, this is what we're saying. Here's what we're going to do. How do you, I don't, how would you articulate any of this to get them to agree to put it on television to begin with? This should just be a wrestling theater show for all the people that trained in the performance center, but really want to be in theater. Let them have a promotion and it can go from one side to the other. It could be hyper-emotional romance wrestling into spooky, supernatural puppet wrestling. Put that in one place. And also, don't do that. If you have the bloodline going, which is a pretty serious thing, all things considered, for wrestling and ignoring the camera, and Ray and Dominic, which, not as serious because of Dominic's comedic nature and everything, but they're treating it serious-ish for wrestling and then in the middle of all that you have this shit just drop in just drop in well speaking who delivered the tape to wwe who you know that's the thing i would say if i was wrestling bray wyatt you know yeah you want me to be scared who's your fucking courier who's delivering this stupid tape who's paying the director off in the truck to actually switch to this and air it jeez awful All right, calm down because there's an update in the bloodline situation. Roman Reigns has sent Paul a text. He's going to be here live next week on SmackDown. And Jimmy needs to handle Jay tonight or elsewise Roman's going to do it next week. So now shit's getting serious around here. Hey, to the conversation we had earlier around the wrestler of the year talk about Roman's importance even when he's not there. Here's a great example. He wasn't on this show at all. Well, yes, but somebody has to be calling the shots. And that's what, the, you know, the the big dog is still in charge of everything. That's why this is working. Because the idea of the, the support of the fans is they're supporting a bunch of different baby faces that are coming from different directions and motivations, but will probably converge at some point to take down the bloodline. If there was no head honcho to take down, people wouldn't care. And speaking of not caring, Rey Mysterio versus Karrion Cross. Boy, howdy have... Cross was going to be a superstar, and now he's a goddamn Coldwell banker. He just looks... The hair has... I don't know what the fuck. But anyway, uh, fourth match, the bell rang at 9.34, an hour and 34 minutes into the program with 19 minutes of wrestling in that hour and a half. And there, there wasn't anything wrong with this match. Rey Mysterio's a pro, and they didn't do anything to embarrass themselves. It's just, it's a WWE match. They go a minute, Rey hit a dive, they went to the break. And the pitch was to the break, Ray's rolling on SmackDown instead of Raw rolls on. So he knows two of them, I'll have you know. (laughs) And then they come back and Cross is already getting the heat and Ray's fighting back from underneath. And they do, you know, again, a 
fine professional job, but it's the WWE, so people are just kind of waiting to see what the next thing is. And finally, Ray goes for the 619, but Scarlett has jumped up on the apron to yell at the referee and standing on the bottom rope. And when Ray hits the ropes, she took the manager bump into the ring, which was nice. Yeah, she took a good bump. Yeah. And that's that's the old uh, fucking the tug of war bump it also, or the whatever the fuck, um, classic manager bump. But anyway, Ray again goes for the 619, but Dominic is there on the other side to block it and pulls Ray out on the floor. And Dom dares Ray to hit him. And Ray gets back in the ring, says, I'm not going to do that, and gets and walks right over to Karrion Cross, who nails him with a fucking elbow. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? He's standing there looking at Dominic, and then he rolls in the ring and stands up and just walks into and eats an elbow. And then Cross gets the rear choke and Ray's out. Just that simple. And then Dominic berated Ray some more, and Ray walked out again. I know he doesn't want to hit his son, but I mean, at what point do you make a guy look like a putz? But anyway, so that was the main event wrestling match. 25 minutes of wrestling in a two-hour program. Not bad this week compared to normal. What did I miss about the match? Not much. I mean, they definitely have lost whatever was special about Karrion Cross and Scarlet. Even the entrance. How many times can I see her lip sync or sing along with dramatically herself singing the lyrics of the song and what does she do does she actually fall with the fallen prey when she falls and he's right behind her which is more of a trick of photography than him popping up out of the fucking ground yes does she actually fall or she just moved it aside like what have we've seen this so many times is the point and i don't know I i think she's falling and praying well back then he had no hair and now he has hair and the opposite of Samson. The more hair, the less charisma. Or I don't know how it works. And also, no hair, no flair. But nevertheless. <laughs> so we got ten minutes left on the air over hair. Oh, come on. Well, are you there? He's, oh, stop with these bad ones. I'm, I'm sorry. It's rare <laughs> that I have a bad one, mon frere. But anyway, with 10 minutes left on the air... Move on with the show, I dare. (laughs) Au contraire. (laughs) (laughs) 10 minutes left on the program. Jimmy, and I wish there was 10 minutes left on this program. There might not be 10 minutes left on this program. Jimmy Uso comes to the ring. And Jimmy, of, of the bunch of them, I believe, is not the natural verbal linguist. Uh, but he's but he he's, did all right. I he's thought, trying. He's trying, and he did a good job. Yeah, it seems a little more real sometimes when the person isn't so fluid at it. Well, and that's he's 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 conflicted, is what he is. And he, I know you're torn, my brother. When you hurt, I hurt. I'll always be here for you. Like I need you to be here right now for me. And while he's talking. Suddenly, and I know Sammy's made a lot of money. Certainly, he can at least afford another hoodie. Or is he going to do regular laundry? I wonder. Well, he probably only wears it when he does his vigilante stuff at the wrestling shows. So that's not that's true. He got it from Charles Bronson. So, Sammy in the hoodie appears in the ring, and Jimmy turns around and sees him. And oh, I'm not here to fight. And there's the the face down there because Jimmy hates him. 
but he's telling Jimmy that, hey, remember when we were dogs? We were dogs, and then we were cats. And then we were ponies. We were little horse. But anyway, he said, we were dogs. And you were the first one that trusted me, because remember, that was the original part of the story. It was Jimmy that liked him. Jay didn't trust him. And then they flip-flopped that. It was great. But you were the one that trusted me. You made me an honorary ooze. But at the Rumble, you didn't think twice about taking me down, and that that hurt me, right? And then Jimmy fired up then. And that was, that was a he because he had some fucking emotion here, too. Blame me. You made the choice with the chair. I did what I had to do. And Sammy, on the other part, he's so genuine with the way that he's delivering this to where you can buy it, where he says family doesn't make you prove something every single week. And while they're talking to each other, Jay appears in the balcony. And the people popped and he was shot. And I don't know whether maybe they jumped the gun on it or maybe whether, but Sammy didn't notice Jay at that point up there, even though the people knew he was there. As Sammy tells Jimmy that he's going to make sure that Roman Reigns goes down. And see, that's the thing. Cody wants to win the title that they took away from his daddy in the garden. But now he's already told Heyman, I just want to win a wrestling title and you keep making this personal. So now it's personal for Cody. And Owens has come out and said, when he blew Sammy off, I'm dedicating myself to taking the bloodline down. I've been doing it by myself. I'll keep doing it by myself. And now Sammy says here, I'm going to make sure that Roman Reigns goes down, but the Usos don't have to go down with the ship. He's motivated for the there are three top baby faces from three different motivations that have a history with each other, or in the case of Owens and Zane, or no history really to speak of since Cody's been gone so long. And Cody's the outsider. He could be the the impartial party, the mediator. But you're starting to assemble like Dusty used to do the top group of baby faces were their own people, but they had common goals. And anyway, Usos don't have to go down with the ship. And then Sammy looks up in the bleachers and sees Jay and Jimmy decks him and gets on him. And Jay comes down to ringside more slowly than like he's trying to make a save. And Jimmy turns and looks at him like, what are you going to do? And that's when Sammy comes and hits the kick from behind. And then Solo hits the ring, so Sammy has to powder, and Jay is still standing there looking at everybody like, what the fuck? So for not having the big dog actually on the program, as long as the big dog still exists, these people are doing his will. This story is still featured, and all of it is developing wonderfully. What do you think? The big dog is the main cog in the wheel, because if you took him out of the wheel, everything else would fall apart. It's all based around him, his bloodline, his championships. This was still a great segment in terms of not much happened, but it was good. You know, it held you. You wanted to see if something would happen. I don't know how many more times Sammy could jump in the ring like the vigilante and then, 
Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Give me a second. Let me talk. Yeah. <laughs> Can't see that anymore. Not not trying to keep interrupting this network television program. <laughs> completely unauthorized basis. But give me 10 minutes and I'll explain. <laughs> That's right. Please, security, understand. I just need a few moments on the mic. Thank you. That that's what John Wilkes Booth said at Ford's Theater. Security, please understand. I just need a few moments. Of course, he also wore the same hoodie week after week. Yeah. Um I mean, it's a great angle. I'm still intrigued where they're going. I I always wonder because it's so good and it leads to things like what happens with me and you where you know, you see it, other fans too. All you do is talk about the various scenarios that could happen. It's one of the best wrestling angles of modern times because of that. Fans are intrigued where it's going. We don't know exactly where this is going to end. Even if Cody wins the belt, that's a big moment for Cody. That's a major moment. That doesn't mean it's the end of the whole bloodline thing. Right. So I love this. I think this is great stuff. But because of Heyman's involvement, and I like Paul Heyman, but I always wonder, is there an ending? Or is it kind of... You know, we have a great idea. We don't know where we're going to go with it. Let's just go with it week after week. Let's just come in and go with it week after week. Who knows where it's going to end? We don't know where it's going to end. That's the only thing I wonder. Is there an actual ending or will it just fade into some? It'll be interesting to see how this goes, but. I can fall somewhere in the middle because I never agreed with. I agreed with the old Vince McMahon philosophy back in the 80s of booking a year in advance for your main event at WrestleMania, but not the actual angles and specific finish one foot in front of the other and all the details because then you're taking spontaneity out of the thing when you're actually in the middle of doing it and conversely as you mentioned paulie is noted for sometimes starting things and just riding the wave and suddenly you're still riding and the wave is out from under you without really the ending tommy dreamer was pile driving beulah and then she somehow got pregnant with tommy dreamer's baby and then she announced that she's a lesbian and she wasn't pregnant anymore. Like that. Yes. Um, but uh, hopefully there'll be a happy medium where they have agreed on, at some point, a, a general idea of the climax of the, the story so everybody goes home happy from the theater, but at the same time they're willing to extend or open things up to interpretation if things come along, which they have done with Sammy. When this was originally, from what we were told, supposed to be a three-week thing or whatever on TV, but it, it got over because they did it well, so they kept doing it. And, you know, I said before about, you know, you talked about roster depth, and they have two different brands, but really, what's the main story on both shows? It's the bloodline on both yeah. shows. I mean, a lot of these guys are now appearing on both shows. I mean, it's, they, it's great. Th yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. They ain't that deep. I'm going to say they, you know, and if the, the networks have a problem, maybe it will be offset by the fact the ratings go up when they're allowed to use the entire talent pool. But you give the closing thoughts for this one, since it's my show and I'll close it up after you do that. My closing thoughts for the show or my closing thoughts for uh... closing thing. Just what is the last thing you want to say before I tell you we're done here? Since we have started recording, we've already amended the group rules for the Facebook group. <laughs> so there is a uh, amendment already added. What is the amendment? No politics or religious talk. And here's why. As I put there, because people are going to go, oh, but Jim Cornette does it. You're not Jim Cornette. A. 
B, this isn't a show. This isn't a town square. This is a Facebook group for fans of the show. But if you introduce that into the group, there's no more guaranteed a way to create fighting and drama and all sorts of messages of people whining and complaining than that. So we decided, we decided let's avoid a cult of Cornet inner conflict and just get rid of all that shit before it even really gets going. Imagine, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you can. No hell below us, whatever the fuck. Easy if you try, isn't it? Easy if you try, or if you can. If you can, I'll try. But if you try, I can't. Above us only sky. Above us only. Well, see, he he messed up the rhyme there. Oh, and, you're, and you've been on a roll with the rhyming this episode, so who is John Lennon to... Well, that's right, yeah. Step who, to I, you. Who, did, did John Lennon make these songs up on the spot? Did you see sure Yoko did. finally moved down to New York City? They say she's now living full-time on the farm that her and John bought. She finally left the Dakota. I, honest to gosh, had forgotten that Yoko Ono was still alive. And then she's 90-something. Holy shit. I think she is. She has to be. Because she was like 10 years older than John Lennon, wasn't she? Well, it looked every day of it. Oh, be, uh, be nice. Be nice. All right. Well, we're going to. It has to be an what, age limit on your insults. That's We're point, going to. Well, no. Age I'm, out. I'm not going to be an age out. I'm not going to be an ageist and discriminate against people because of their age. I'm going to call them motherfuckers regardless of what, how old they are. But in the meantime, we're going to close this program up so we can find out how old Yoko Ono is so that I could badger her more on your show, The Drive-Thru, in a few days. Right? Yoko's 90 years old. Well, fuck her. No, stop that. Be nice. All right. I'm sorry. I take that back. As to hell with Yoko. As, as a tribute to Yoko. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye-bye, everybody. Wednesday nights, I get to stay up late. Which Kenny Omega while I masturbate. Hey, Mom, I need to watch the show. Meltzer says I'm in the key demo. Meltzer says I'm in the key demo.
Wrestling heaven. Don't listen to Corgi, he hasn't been relevant since 87. He thinks that Luchasaurus can't work a lick, or that Bobby Eaton could hold a candle to either Matt or him. He wants to cut up our heroes with a rusty fishing knife, or get them in the hot tub to play Spock the Submarine with him and his wife. And no, Mom, I'm not bitter. This has nothing to do with Jim blocking me on Twitter. And now, here comes Miro. Wearing pajamas like me, he's my hero. The young bucks could shoot on Buzz Sawyer. Make Brock Lesnar take a Canadian destroyer. Don't come in, Mom. Don't come in. Are you touching yourself again? No. Did you choose the Wi-Fi password? Oh, no. Wednesday nights, I get to stay up late. Watch Kenny Omega while I masturbate Hey mom, I need to watch this show Elser says I'm in the key 